This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. jolly well trot welcome to the chelsea fancast fueled by guinness powered by celery the show that loves beating spurs again and again and again and again and again and again to say that some of us were a little worried going into this crunch match with spurs would not be untrue but of course we shouldn't have been worried at all it is spurs after all uh, aided and abetted by some astute tactical changes by Tuchel and Ziyech's best performance for Chelsea so far, we dominated Spurs for most of the match. Of course, we didn't make our domination count in the first half, thanks to some poor finishing by Romelu Lukaku. And in fact, we were arguably lucky not to go in 1-0 down. If Silva had been judged to have dived rather than being pushed over by Kane, then the goal would have stood. And let's face it, we've seen it not go our way before. But if it had not been given, uh, or if it had been given, more to the point, it would have been the crime of the century. So poor, clueless, lily-livered were the lily-whites. And then came a moment of genius from Ziyech, who put his shot into the top corner with that wand of a left foot. A great header by Silva from a mount-free kick made it two, and for all intent and purpose, it was all over. Chelsea have now beaten Spurs four times in a season for the first time well, since we did it in 2002. And that's now one win in 31 Premier League games at the bridge for Spurs and one in 38 games at the bridge since 1990. Is it any wonder that Spurs and their fans are clearly psychologically traumatised by us? How joyous. And perhaps (laughs) even more important, Chelsea and Tuchel have got the season back on track before a much-needed two-week break. Spurs were just the tonic we all needed fancy that and the uh, title of tonight's show is uh, can we play you every week chelsea fan fancast 871 and for avoidance of doubt in case my lawyers are listening uh, i put that title out within the hour of the game finishing take note straight out of cobbin 
for your blatant plagiarism. Uh, but there we go. Uh, Jonathan, how are you, dear boy? I'm, I'm really good, thanks, Chid. Boy, buoyant after yesterday's, uh, um, not necessarily performance, but um, there were some some great moments in it, uh, uh, specifically um, um, Zayek's goal, which was completely fabulous. Whoa, wow, utter worldy. And um, uh, and once more, a, a performance of of a blissful performance from uh, our centre half, who is, uh, um, is, is a remarkable player. And, um, and a, I love the fact that he is so loved by everybody in such a short space of time. I think it's completely brilliant, yeah. but you know, it's great to be on the show. Chich. Thanks so much with, with such esteemed guests, of course, I can't, you know, and we, 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 we don't dredge them. They just appear on pinnacles in front of us. You know, they're just... They rise yeah. up on a plinth, they, don't they? They do, they do, they do, with with beatific music being played. It's with with just, dry ice all around. Yeah, with dry ice and, and mermaid. Gold lighting. Yeah, and sirens. And, <laughs> and uh, it's, I don't mean... I don't mean... <laughs> I mean, you know, of in the... In the Greek sense. Of the Greek sense, yes. Decades describing my bedroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful women... Beautiful women undulating in the surf. Oh, what an image. Anyway, moving. Who moving, are they? Who are they? Um, who, who are they? I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm on the surf with my siren. Um, uh, they are, of course, the, the man who has um, uh, uh, the biggest brain, Chelsea brain known to human beings. Um, Mr. Mark Meehan, lovely to have you on the show, Mark. Brilliant. Uh, lo- lovely to be on the show this evening because obviously it's happened again. Hmm. Tottenham Hotspur. Um, so no doubt we might talk a tiny little bit about a certain game that happened yesterday. Never in any doubt in my mind uh, in the pub beforehand. Shame on you, Chelsea fans, thinking for one minute that we would lose to them yesterday. Never, never was going to happen. Yeah, really enjoyable afternoon yesterday and all, enjoyable afternoon with some lovely people as well. Good stuff. And who else do we have? Well, we have someone who has 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 just dissed, dissed, um, <laughs> Chris Sutton, our great, one of our greatest ever players, of course, and um, uh, greatest ever centre forwards. How many goals did he score? Three. Three. Was it? three. Yeah, three. And um, uh, uh, a stalwart of the uh, of the Supporters Trust, and um, becoming um, uh, rather a feature on Radio Five, which uh, I think is fantastic. It is, of course, Mister Dan Silva. Yeah. <laughs> Happy beating Tottenham week. Oh, there we go. Good to see you, Dan. Good to see you, Mark. Yeah. Always good, good to, to see you, JK, as well. I have a suspicion tonight is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I think I think the clue is when I send you 13 pages of notes, most of which are outlining how many times we've beaten Tottenham, you kind of know how it's going to go, don't you, really? Anyway, uh, what have we got on the show tonight? Well, we, in part one, will look at Tuchel's 4141 system and ask, does it solve uh, the attacking issues? Uh, and uh, has Ziyech achieved some redemption after his man-of-the-match performance? And a superb goal, and while uh, Lukaku uh, was more involved with his performance, still not good enough. And in part two, we applaud some good performances all round. Discuss the disallowed goal, the no red card for Doherty, not to mention uh, the no penalty for Skip's rugby tackle on Aspie, and another case of refereeing incompetence. And that's being kind. Uh, We also take a look at Chelsea's indomitable record against Spurs and delight in a much-needed win. And in part three, we've got the results of this week's fannies for the Spurs match, some Discord questions and a few emails to read out. And in part four, we wrap up the show. Ah, yes, slight departure this week because 
goodness gracious me, we have no game in midweek for the first time since God created football. Uh, which means we've got a spare part, as it were, but uh, I don't think you could ever call Thomas Tuchel a spare part. And it happens to be his one-year anniversary of being Chelsea's manager this Wednesday. So I thought it'd be fun to just have a look at that and what his achievements have been and what more does he have to do and all that kind of thing. So that's how we'll wrap up the show. Uh, but as ever, don't forget, you can listen to the show live. Live! Uh, that's right, JK. Every Monday at 7pm uh, by going to Mixler, which of course is mixlr.com. Uh, hi, uh, forward slash, sorry, Chelsea hyphen fancast. Of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you do, and even Tony Glover is in there tonight, as well as Dennis Freddle, Brian Justman, the old stalwarts are there. Who else we got in? Daryl's in there, Andy, uh, Shed End, Seattle, Super Dan, Pierre's in there, Arivero. Oh, they're all there, all the usual suspects. Good to see you people, and I bet you're as happy as we all are. I certainly hope so. Now, we'll be getting stuck into it right after this short interlude. JK, JK, um, we kind of, I mean, we said four, well, I said four, two, two, two. I didn't expect, you know, four, one, four, one or four, three, three. I think, I think everybody kind of settled on it was actually four, one, four, one, didn't they, in the end? I read an article saying that he'd, he'd been influenced by watching Brighton play and had therefore um, tweaked it accordingly. And this was a very Brighton setup. But as far as I could see, it meant that Zayek played much further back on the wing with the doy occasionally in front of him. And it allowed Zayek to just cross as often as he wanted from seemed to be on both sides. He appeared on both sides and his, his foot became as a consequence, slightly more wand like um, because he was given this opportunity. And I think the opportunity was there specifically to, uh, to play Lukaku in um, uh, as was the very first, the very first move we had from the kickoff um, was that fantastic cross, which he he never got over and he just blazed it over Lukaku. But it was a very good setup. I think Mason was involved and it helped, of course, that Mace buzzed around like a uh, like a dervish. Um, he was he was so he, pumped for this game. He, he was. He, he, was. Is, he is proper Chelsea, JK. He knows uh, what it means. I mean, if you've been there since you were eight, you know, and he was so pumped up. I loved it. He was. He, was. he played. He played really excellently. And um uh, he had a very decent shot, didn't he, in the second half? Once again, they've got to hit the target. I'll keep going on about this, but um, uh, we really should be winning these games by much more. I mean, we we were so dominant again last night. That was a, that was a a normal Chelsea performance from what we've been expecting for before this period of draws. That was uh, for me. That was we were back to normal there. That was back to a um, and, and they're not good enough. Spurs just aren't good enough to deal with it. As as Conte said. In fact, what I loved about watching Conte um, last night, just below me in the uh, in in the dugout, was the number of times he similarly Tom, Tommy T uses a one of them to actually shout his dismay at, um, and then occasionally he uses the others as a kind of focus. Was that Conte does the same? 
except the anguish involved with poor Conte. I'm mean, poor. I can't believe I'm in sympathy for him. But there was a kind of sort of constant shaking of the head, and and there were some ridiculous moves, but ridiculous. Um, 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 I don't know, defensive errors on one occasion. Um, whoever was number six, Cessignon, I think it was, just kicked the ball out for a corner when there was no pressure on him at all. And uh, and um, Conte didn't as much, but it wasn't a livid reaction. It was just a kind of terrible resignation and despair at the complete idiocy of it. Because he is used to a much higher level of competence than this, you know. This is why I really don't think unless they buy some top players for him, he's going well, to well, deal with you know. Reading my mind, Jake. I was about to say, I, I can't. I don't think he'll be there this time next year. I absolutely no. don't think he'll be there at all, and no. it'll be very funny. Um, Dan, uh, what I I thought was interesting talking about Conte was that I mean, I mean, just to just to concentrate on Tuchel for a second. I mean, in 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 the in the in the aftermatch, I'll, I'll I'll reveal more about this. But he he did change things, obviously, as we know. But actually, interestingly, Antonio Conte changed to a back four for the first time in any game since you and I uh, were standing in the Emirates watching Chelsea get humped 3-0 by Arsenal when they played in the back four. Which is remarkable, isn't it? I just think it just shows the mark of the man in in, in space of, what, three days? Totally got that team organised. I think he surprised Conte as well with the way we were playing. Um, I just think he just tickled, just an absolute genius. I mean, we we were so dominant for minute one. Right at it, literally from the first minute. It barely gave Spurs a sniff. And it was just a really, you kind of felt that two days rest had just given the team that lift they needed. Just a couple of days of no football, decompress, come back, get prepared. And literally just make Tottenham look very, very average. Sorry, Mark, it was just interesting that in the press conference, he said that Brighton was like an aberration. He said that they mentally weren't there with it for Brighton. I think what I underestimated was actually how how pissed off they were at losing to City. Actually, that that came across as well in the post match presser yeah, that they yeah. realised that the title had gone and it really put them into a funk. I we we didn't think about that on Friday. We were no, t- too focused no. on the fact they were just knackered. Yeah, but it would make sense, wouldn't it? There was a bit, rather we actually thought it was kind of resignation, but no, it never occurred to us that they would be. They occurred to us it would be, they'd really be pissed off. Sorry, I've been rabbiting, Mark. Mark, get in there. No, I was going to ask Mark this one, really. Actually, Jim, Mark, but if you don't mind, I'm going to read out what what Tuchel said uh, okay. about the formation and see what you think about this. I, I, I love. I mean, and actually, this is an interesting thing. Tuchel's the only manager in the entire history of the fan cast that I've taken out massive quotes about what he says after the game. He's that good. Anyway. Uh, it's one way forward. Uh, we tried 4-1-4-1 formation today because we tried a 4-4-2 against them in the first match and that gave us an advantage. But then they reacted to it in the second match. We thought that maybe it could be an approach to give the players a solution after the last matches and we had the players for the formation, players in shape, players who wanted and should be on the pitch and good positions for them. It gives us more options than only playing a 3-4-3 and we don't decide now, but it was well done. Yes, but we changed a bit the tactics in the first match against Topton and they adapted to it. They thought it could give us a solution to escape the high pressing, but put the game in the opponent's half and have a bit more width without having wing-backs. I mean, Mark, my, my, my impression, you know, having watched the game, was that what it did was it actually made us look more effective going forward. OK, I agree with JK. We still can't put the ball in the net as much as we should. But we looked so much more fluid, particularly in that kind of opening 20 minutes when Mount and Ziyech were just creating havoc down the right weren't they oh it worked really well uh, and it's quite a strange thing now because we've spent every week sort of trying to guess the lineup now you're almost trying to guess the formation 
because he, he does change it depending on the opposition. And when the team was read out in the pub, we were going, well, how's he going to play? Is that <laughs> yes. four two 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 as you were talking about on Friday? And he did the four two 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 um in the previous game. And he thought, no, if you look at the personnel, it's not that. It's not four three three. And then when you get in the ground and you see how it's set up, you know, the four one four one, and it works so well. And again, it must be difficult for Conte because it seems each time he plays him, we play a different for- formation. So he, you know, Tottenham did change. But they weren't any better. They're actually worse. And it is such a poor, poor Tottenham team. He's been dealt a poor card, Conte. You know, and I would agree as well. Unless he gets investment, he'll he'll be gone. He'll fall out with Levy in 12 months' time. But it works so well. And even though it wasn't sort of like 4-3-3, yeah, we did have we did have the wits, as you said. You know, you know Hudson Adoy was hugging the touchline, Ziyech was hugging the touchline, Mount was interchangeable as well. And I think Mount's just a big game player, you know. He gets it. Yeah, he, he was probably his best game in weeks. And I think the best thing that Tuchel did, other than changing the formation for this particular game, is that point that Dan was making. That break, I think it's done them a power of good because I think if you got a programme yesterday, Chelsea, which is sort of like blowing up Twitter, they cheekily put down the number of games that we've played you know, since the last winter break. And there's no surprise we've played more games than anybody else. You know, so people are bleeding, oh, the squad they've got, what they're complaining about. But we've played 18 games in 61 days. And I think Liverpool are the only team that got close to us. And if you look back years gone by, you know, when you had that fixture congestion, many teams, all they were doing was playing you know, and just keep ticking over. And they sort of rest in between and do some very light training. So actually resting the players for 48 hours is probably the best thing Tuchel to do other than sort of changing the formation. We look so fresh. You know, against Tottenham, and Tottenham looked tired, looked lethargic. Uh, and uh, again, as JK said, I think the only frustration, and it, it, it seems harsh being critical because it was such a good performance, particularly in the second half, was why it was only 2 0. I'm happy because it was the only Prem prediction result I got right <laughs> this week, I think. You know, otherwise, I'd have been in the minus column. But uh, again, you know, we should have won by more than two. Yeah, it is, that is the only frustrating bit. But good, good team performance. And you could see how up for it they were and see on both occasions how much they celebrated both goals. Yeah, re- really, really important day yesterday. A massive win. And going into that long break, yeah, we haven't got a game now for quite a while in the league. You know, so hopefully get more players back. And then if you look at um, our next run of fixtures... I don't know if you're going to feature that tonight, but no, our, our next they're, they're all quite games, good, aren't they? They're easier. They're, they're not. They're not bad, are they? Yeah. And again, that might be tempting fate. But you know, we get on a run. You know, theoretically, come back. Hopefully, get past Plymouth. Come back from you know the World Club Championship. Um, perhaps won it, uh, uh, and then sort of a seven-game run, all potential winnable games, and who knows what. Yeah, definitely, definitely right, Mark. Um, let's talk about the the goal. Um, uh, I mean, it was. I mean, you know, as I, I for various reasons, which I, I, I'm not prepared to tell you on air, but I, I wasn't able to go yesterday, which was just beyond annoying. But uh, so I was watching at home in my living room, or the equivalent of a padded cell. And it, I hate watching football on television, as there are people yet to be discovered in the rainforest, know only too well. But the I jumped out of my bloody uh, sofa and whooped and whooped and whooped when that uh, ZH went goal went in. What an absolute worldie. Um, Dan, I'm going to ask you first. 
I mean, actually, I mean, JK and Dan, I mean, JK knows this particularly. We, we've, we've had it in for ZH quite a lot recently for various reasons, inconsistency, uh, sulkiness, attitude, blah, 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 you name it. Um, I mean, he put in an absolute man-of-the-match performance yesterday, in my view. JK said it on the fan bite. It was his best performance on a Chelsea shirt. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Has he? Is this a bit of a redemption for Ziyech, do you think? I think so, yeah. I think he's been really unlucky because every time he's found a bit of form, like at the start of the season, he's got injured. And it's been very stop, start, stop, start. The whole team were off form, as we well know from December. He turned up, he just scored just a brilliant goal. You know, Callum, different player in the second half. First half, he's getting really frustrated. He's running at Tanganga, being booked, made the space. I just... Brilliant goal, the way Aspie made the run to create a little bit of space for the shot. It was just what he's capable of. Because some, you know, he's he's hit some incredible passes. Uh, he's got a wand of a left foot. It was just just such a good goal. Because everyone's oh, it's gone. Oh, it's gone in. It's like almost that like oh, he's he's, he's shanked it. It just drops in the net because the keeper's not moved. But now I think he's you know playing in his best position, and that maybe found a you know. A new home for him. I, I'm very, very pleased for him. And I like the interview afterwards when he went, oh, it was, it was definitely a 10 out of 10 goal. Yeah. JK, Ollie, Ollie Glanville uh, on Twitter, I thought, said something very spot on, as Ollie often does. Lovely lad, Ollie, by the way, if you don't know Ollie. Uh, son of Rick, of course. And um, he basically said, for the first time since the, the first season under Lampard, we allowed ZH to play as our main creator. Amazing what happens when you create space for him with a dangerous player down the left, as in Hudson Odoi. I think Ollie makes an excellent point there, J.K. And we've been, we've been, we've been, you and I have been moaning about this for a while that there just isn't a, a real kind of flair, creative player somewhere in between the midfield and the strikers. Maybe, maybe it was Ziyech all along. You're on mute, mate. Thank you. I wonder whether. <laughs> It's, I know, so such trouble. Funny enough, I was a professional because I was sneezing a lot. Oh, so, I, so I muted myself. Very good work. Very and good forgot, work. forgot to put it. I was just listening to everybody and so, so thinking, oh, that's so good. They're all so good. And then um, leapt in and I was on mute. Um, uh, um, um, I, was, I was intrigued to see that he started further back, as I've said, which gave him a lot more space, even though he seemed to be hugging the touchline a lot. But it just meant that he frequently wasn't in that position um, on on the goal line, heading towards the goal. He did it when he dribbled a few times, but it, that was more his default position in other games. And I think it, um, I, I think the space it was was perfect for him to uh, to to weave his magic. I just think, um, yes, perhaps perhaps this this is something that they have to uh, just accept that um, uh, he can be the playmaker. I mean, if you if you think about it, you know, again, something that we've said a lot on the show actually is that, oh, I've been saying it for ages. All we've got, we've got loads of wingers in this team, but no kind of number tens. And you know, Mark Pulisic, Hudson Odoi, definitely wingers. Um, and, and in a sense, we kind of think ZH is, but maybe he's a bit more than that. So maybe, as I was saying, you know, maybe if we play him in a freer role, more creative role, uh, we can actually be far more effective in an, as an attacking force. Perhaps he feels very relaxed and it's an egotistical thing as well. Perhaps I think he's he felt, a confidence player. He, yeah, he was given the responsibility of that. And, as a con- and he, 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 he rose up to the challenge. Um, but he played some fantastic 40-yard passes as well. And, of course, defended like an absolute yeah, Trojan. Yeah. He, was, he was absolutely everywhere. It was. Um, it, but I, it, as, as Dan says, it was very similar to the kind of thing he was doing pre-season. 
And when then he got injured early on, didn't he? He looked he looked a class apart again. We were all saying at the beginning of the season after the uh, after those friendlies, it's good to see Zayek is showing form that he showed at Ajax. And then he did his shoulder. And I remember there being a debate about the shoulder, whether the shoulder was actually a proper injury because it didn't seem to correspond to uh, there was some some um, some medical. Uh, analysis of what was going on it didn't really seem to be a proper injury and they were worried there was something um, uh, um, um of, a, of a you know whether is is he was he was worried mentally about playing for the team i don't know did you see any of that any of you i remember reading an article about that they felt i don't, that it, I don't recall i think because because i think where he went off it didn't necessarily mean he normally you dislocate your shoulder you kind of have it all pushed up so maybe something slightly different but yeah it, it took him some time to recover from it and he wasn't the yeah. player again whether he he mentally then couldn't deal with the fact that he got to this position of being of being playing fantastically and uh and and it was he was thwarted again so perhaps he it, it, it he just then when he came back he didn't feel that he was performing anywhere near yeah. it I so mean, same yeah. happened under frank he was really found some form last season i think he got injured it might be in the fa cup match possibly but he was really showing some form and then, then he got injured, and then again he was, he was again it stop, stop, stop. So some of these players are confidence players. You know, he scored two goals in two games. One was a deflection, and that worldie, you almost don't want the break for him because he don't could have, could have scored another going. one. Could have scored another one, yeah, Dan. Good save from Lloris. It was a good save. So you know, yeah, I think he did sharp. Listen, any big good thing that our, our forwards are starting to, you know, find some form. And I was really pleased with Callum um, the second half because first half I thought he was abysmal, was so frustrating. But suddenly they must have given a rocket because he was going up against Tanganga, knowing full well that Tanganga couldn't commit because if he fouls him again, he's off. And I thought he had a really much more influential um, second half. I, I, I think the two are related. I think he he, yeah. he he started playing a lot better after Tanganga got that yellow and clearly Tuchel shouted at him, run at the bastard because he's yeah. on, a, on a yellow. And that's what he started to do. And you're right. I thought he was excellent after that. Mark, I know you wanted to come in uh, on Ziyech. Yeah, Ziyech, just a few things on Ziyech. Um, I think first and foremost, I love this thing that was said during the match of day commentary last night. He's having a moment. Yeah. And I think I think that, that was that was his moment so far in his Chelsea career yesterday. You know, he'll struggle to score a better goal than that. The way the ball dipped and went in. And there's some superb photos today um, taken of those split seconds as that ball is going towards the net and the crowd behind the goal is still stationary. You know. Yeah, and it's in the net. And then you see the moment afterwards, obviously, that the fans are celebrating. Uh, I'm going to give a bit of credit to Tuchel on this as well, because obviously you did the Brighton game to death on last week's show. And I think he's gone from a high from like an all-time low. And I think you do wonder, you know, as we've always said, we're not at the training ground. We don't know what goes on there. But maybe Tuchel has taken him to one side after Brighton and actually said, you know what, this weekend against Spurs, this is how we're going to play. And you are the man. You, you are you you are the one that's going to be the centre of this. You're going to be the creator, and maybe just you know maybe get a bit of confidence on the back of that because again that thing about football fans like we think we know everything but sometimes we know nothing. Yeah, <laughs> again when the team was read out in the pub and everyone's going, oh god, not Z. Z is dying. I know. He's dying. And then there's that optimism we're going to beat Tottenham to go to sort of like a 10 second low. Um, but he had his best game of his 36 games so far. Uh, and we probably saw something that Ajax fans saw, you know, in, in the games he played for them. And he, he can play in different places. You know, he played as a winger for Ajax. He played as a number 10. He played in the midfield as well. And his goal ratio was a lot more than so far we've had with Chelsea. So 
let's see how the next few games go. But, you know, that was, I don't want to preempt the fannies, but clearly, you know, that was a man of the match before. I think, I think he's in, a, in for a good shout for two out of three. I think he might be. But the other thing I'd say away, you know, just from my personal experience, um, I don't know if I've said it on the show before, like a shoulder injury. Mm. Like, you know, I, I did my shoulder in last year, like a frozen shoulder, and I'm still having physiotherapy. It's a bucket of fix, yeah. you know, when you do your shoulder in. So it can, you know, affect your, your whole whole body and your, your structure. Mm. So again, yeah, he was out for quite a while with shoulder injury. So it might take you know, a long time to properly recover from I think that. that's what they were saying, Mark. Yeah. I think that it affected the rest of his body, the shoulder. Yeah. You can't breathe very well if you've got a frozen shoulder, yeah. for example. Yeah, well, when I, when I had it, so, like, so I'm still doing physio, and the physio at times said it could take to properly fix 18 months yeah. to properly fix. Yeah. Now, thank God it, mine's not taking 18 months of it, because I said I'd probably go off my head. You know? but, yeah, but again, they said that the path of recovery is different strokes for different folks. You know? yeah. So it clearly would have impacted them. We've had a serious shoulder injury. Try saying that when you've had a few pints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. Yeah. Let me just finish up with what, what Tommy T said about it. He said it, it was one of his best matches today because he was very reliable. To be fair... It was maybe his best position to be wide on the right wing. Maybe we can think about doing this. It was good because it gave him the opportunity to take risks where it was possible to take risks. He was very reliable on the ball in moments where it was where it is necessary. The work rate was always outstanding. You can always rely on him in, in work rate and counter-pressing. So, yes, well done. And he needs to keep on going like everyone else. I love the fact that he finished with that too cool. And keep doing it, son. Or there'll be trouble. I like that. Uh, now, uh, let's talk about uh, dear old Romelu. Dear old Romelu, who kind of wandered around like a wildebeest for most of the match. Bless him. But, um, you know, that that having been said, you know, I actually thought, I thought, you know, we didn't have a kind of skulking around type Lukaku performance. I thought he was, he definitely, you know, he he was more involved. And I think the system helped that. Um, I'll just read what, what Lukaku, what Thomas, Thomas Tuchel said. He said, very good performance. This is a, a summary. It's not a quote. He basically said, very good performance, good effort, uh, worked really hard, not in full confidence. Or, I like this, the calm state of mind. Uh, in other words, you know, that kind of, he was snatching at things, as we saw a couple of air shots, weren't there? Uh, but he gave everything in work rate, which I think he certainly did. Um, what, what do you think of his performance yesterday, Dan? I thought it was much better. I think he held his position really, really well. He kept peeing the centre-backs to bring sort of Mount and the other players into play. Second half, he just absolutely had Sanchez, you know, in his pockets. So I think it was, you know, a, a much, much better performance. I think, as you say, he snatched a couple of chances, had a sh- couple of shots saved. But I thought he, he looked much, much more involved, used his strength. He turned, set it back in the second half, perhaps could have done better with the shot. But overall, the way he, he just pinned centre-backs in, brought the other players into play, I thought it was probably his best performance since Villa away, I think, yeah. when we saw what he was capable of. Yeah, definitely. Mark? Mm, better, definitely. You know, he had that chance in the first half and he, he had the one he created in the second half. But again, he could still do a lot better than that. Hell yeah. yeah. For, for 100 yeah, million quid, mate. Yeah, and again, you know, pick it up with Sanchez and Dyer. They're not good defenders. You know, uh, and again, he's a £97 million striker. If that had been Costa or Drogba yesterday... I think they would have battered those two centre backs at the back. Yeah, they really, they really would. That's not a good Tottenham defence. So, it's an improvement. Yeah, he definitely was much more involved in the game than he has been recently. So, a step forward. But again, for the money we've invested, you'd hope that one of those two chances should have gone in yesterday. I mean, yeah, and maybe if the one in the first half had gone in because that was very early. 
you know, that might have helped him even more, you know, and actually helped the team as well. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, because we should have had, we should have gone in at halftime ahead of them because, yeah, you know, we, we were the better side in the first half. Yeah. yeah, definitely, Mark. I mean, JK, I think, I think this is the point, isn't it? I mean, we've been talking about Lukaku, you know, for the last few weeks as if he was some, you know, kid that's just come out of the academy. Uh, but, you know, that's not, you know, oh, you know, he's getting a little bit better in increments. Oh, you know, it'll come, it'll come. Oh, oh, oh it's confidence, it's confidence. When you spend 100 million quid on a striker, what you're expecting in return is peak Costa or peak Drogba, not not Tammy Abraham, who was learning the game. I don't think I've been talking about him as if none, he was, none, yeah. none of us have, but what I'm saying is that's the yeah. point. You spend that kind of money on a player, you're okay. expecting them at their peak, not somebody that you can be patient with and say, oh, well, you know, maybe he'll work himself into the side. No, you need it now. And that, I mean, in spite of how good he was in terms of his effort yesterday, for 100 million quid, you expect oh. a lot better. I, I thought he was more involved because they played more early balls to him, actually. I think yeah. particularly, particularly Zayek, who's, um, uh, it seemed like the default ball from him was 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 a, a huge speed curler. In fact, the very first one that Adoy should have done better with that header that he he got to was very um, typical of the kind of thing that Zayek was was centering. Um, no, I, I yeah, all right. He, he he was more involved, but he was still awful. He, awful. <laughs> I mean, nah, awful's harsh. No, yeah, he wasn't awful. I am harsh. Okay. I am harsh. I'm yeah. harsh. No, I'm yeah. but I'm yeah. I'm going with Chidge here. He's awful for a ninety-seven million pound player. You know, you expect you expect a worldie from a ninety-seven million pound player. You expect you expect a, a Zayek goal. You expect that early one that he got that he blazed over. You expect it to be drilled brilliantly into the corner. You expect um, uh, you expect him to get to a, a header early. You don't expect him to have any struggle whatsoever with. Dyer and Sanchez. You don't expect him during as he did during the week to have a problem with Burn at Brighton. You don't expect yeah, him to but have... it's football, JK. It happens. Oh yeah, but I, I, just, I know, just, ask, but... just ask Chris Sutton next time you speak to him, Dan. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I will. I, no, I, Dan, I know, I know that's a line one one gives. It's football, but Jesus, it's a, you know, he's supposed to be the top striker in the world. I mean, I just can't believe it. It's like we're having to nurture him back yeah, to some. Yeah, that's my point. He's not a yeah. kid here. Yeah, yeah. No, but he's, having he's, to... he's, a, he's a human being. He's had major own goal with the interviews. Obviously, got to you know rebuild the trust with his teammates. And he's a human being. Listen, he, listen, he, he should be doing better. Absolutely no doubt. But I think he was stepping in the right Sutton direction. Is a human being is he? Who? <laughs> Chris Sun <laughs> doesn't. Oh, he's a miserable sod. He never smiles. But no, I just, I just, I just see for Lukaku. Confidence player, regardless of his price tag, he's had a falling out with his manager and his teammates. He's got to build him up again. Yeah, because you know that that Villa that Villa cameo in the second half. You know, it was great. It was great. I know. I agree. I agree. But it it, yeah. it annoys me somehow that that because he doesn't feel um, um, pleased yeah, with his role, that he he just goes down several levels. All the, all then, the Belgians, and then the ball, hardy, the they? ball. Yeah, that's true. They are all that generation, like Tebow and that expression, Mardi. They're Mardi, yeah, Mardi bum. Mar- yeah, yeah. Mardi Listen, I'm yeah. gonna. I, I'm. 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 I think Dan makes a really good point, actually. And and actually, the reason why he makes a good point is that I because you wouldn't have seen this because you were lucky enough to be at the game, unlike me sitting on my fat ass in my living room. But uh, you would have, if you had been, then you would have been delighted to have seen one of my all-time favourite Chelsea players, a certain Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank as the Chelsea uh, kind of representative on, on Sky. And he said some very interesting things. I'm kind of paraphrasing because I kind of scribbled these, this down 
uh, as he was talking. He said, he said, the thing about Lukaku at the moment is, is he makes one movement, not two consecutively, to get that kind of yard free that you need. Of course, Jimmy would know all about this. He reckons that he's not 100% fit yet but he does need a goal to give him that lift and confidence. So he thinks it's a question of not being 100% fit. Remember, he's coming back from injury and COVID, so there's some plausibility in that. And and I think if you're not 100% fit and your game relies a lot on your physique, if you're not 100% fit, then you're not 100% confident in your body. So that can affect you mentally. What he said, what he, he said, look, I, he says he's got no problem with Lukaku. He thinks he'll come good. Uh, but he needs more fitness, more runs. In other words, running off the ball. Totally agree. He needs to do more off the ball. And I thought at the time, you need to be coming, you know, coming a bit deeper here and getting involved with the play rather than stuck up there on your own, being isolated with two central defenders picking your pocket for half an hour. But he thinks that to do that, he's got, you know, because we, I mean, I think it was really interesting because we, we didn't pick him, did we, on Friday or I didn't, JK. But actually, J- uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank thinks that Tuchel has got to pick him every game at the moment, play him into form, play him back into confidence. It'll take a goal or two, and then it'll happen. That's what J- Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank thinks. And I, I, I trust his judgment. He knew a thing or two about striking, Dan. Yeah, no, Jimmy, Jimmy knows goals. I think you know we've got he's got a week off now. Put him back in for Plymouth for seventy-five minutes, bang a couple in, albeit against Plymouth. Get a couple of goals in, take him out to the Club World Cup, get a couple of goals there. And get, get him firing again. You know, he, he, he could definitely do it. I mean, just, as you say, get the confidence, get a couple of goals in. Even if it gets off his fat arse and back the goal against Plymouth, they'll count. Yeah. JK? You know. Meanwhile, what about Havertz? Well, yeah, that's... Where is Havertz? Does that mean well, Havertz he's... is excluded? Doesn't get in? Gets in as a sub, possibly, later on? Unless he's still got an injury, mate. Carrying an injury, maybe. They haven't kept, they've kept quiet. It is a bit weird, isn't it? Mark, got any, uh, you know sense on that one no not at all that's what i said where, where is Havertz? because like, i think we said the same yesterday um uh, quite surprised at the formation picked probably like you i thought you know lukaku may not have started yesterday but i can see why he did with the formation tushel went with but yeah no sign of habits recently so i don't know whether he's you know finding his way back from covid and fitness he had long covid last year uh because i think we got we got the game one at two nil but two could have easily have come three or four we could have freshened it up, maybe taken Lukaku off, brought Havertz on in the latter stages. Because again, I, I, I wasn't impressed with Tottenham's defence yesterday. You know, they, they really were, are fouling. poor, mate. They really they, they are poor. Fouling or picking up cards. Yeah, you know, we did, and we could have exploited those cards even more. You know, some of those players, you know, could easily have got red cards yesterday. And that was the thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it wasn't awful yesterday, Lukaku, and it was better, no, no question. But it could be even better still against that defence. You know, he could have got, like Dan's right, you know, a bit of confidence, maybe get one in off his arse. You know, you know that was probably the game yesterday. He'd, he'd probably get a better chance against Tottenham than he will against Plymouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could be, you could well be right. Uh, we shall see. All will be revealed in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Now, uh, before we go to a break, as I, as I always do, uh, and given that 50% of the show tonight are CFC UK writers as well, it uh, is behoven upon me to say... There will be a new one out soon. How do I know this, you ask? Well, I know this because the deadline is this Friday, isn't it, Mark? It is. It is indeed, yeah. I have no idea what I'm going to write Me about. Me neither. Yeah. I'll know about half ten on Friday evening. I was quite punctual last time. I'm, I'm normally about 11 o'clock on the Friday evening and I'm emailing JK about two minutes to midnight. Um, um, but you know, I'll, I'll have to think about it at some point late, later in the week. Yeah. 
Yeah. I might be on spot. It might be inspired on Wednesday. I'm having lunch with Eddie Nisves. Are you? Wednesday. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Eddie. Yes, I'm going for lunch with him in, you know, in Beaconsfield. So maybe after that, I might do a piece about goalkeepers, bearing in mind, uh, I don't know if it's down on the agenda tonight, how well our goalkeeper did yesterday. It, it, yeah. it, will, it will be mentioned in dispatches. You must ask him what he thinks of Kepa. Oh, no, I will. And, uh, and, so... and, and, and Mondi as well. No, again, but I think Kepa yesterday, you know, what, how long has Mondi been gone now? Is that five games now? Yeah. You know? And yeah. I think that, you know, there was that save he made from Harry Kane, superb Brilliant. save. Uh, he, he's done well, Kepa. You know, yes. he's rebuilding. Yeah, you know, we talk about confidence in Lukaku. You know, Kepa was in a lower place than Lukaku probably has ever ever got to so far. Yeah. Uh, and throughout, step by step, you know, he, you know, saving penalties in competitions. But again, good game yesterday. Good luck to him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, have fun. Have fun with Eddie Nizveki. That that's I'm very jealous. Good for you. Uh, right. Anyway, so Mark and I, apart from that, will be very busy writing articles late on Friday night because the. The new, uh, I would imagine, therefore, the next issue of CFC UK will be out for the Plymouth game. And uh, yeah, as ever, will be. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. as ever, that means you can get it from the the CFC UK store, which is opposite the exit from Fulham Broadway Tube, and uh, it's only a pound. Hurry up now! If if you can't make it to the store because you can't get to the match, then no worries. You can get a subscription, which means you get a hard copy of it as soon as it comes out. Uh, that will cost you sixteen quid if you're in the UK for a whole season of CFC UK's. Uh, it's 35 quid if you're in Europe, 45 quid if you're in the rest of the world. Uh, you can also get um, an alternative, which is a, a PDF uh, copy, which can be emailed to you. That will cost you six quid for a season. Individual issues remain a pound. Now, if you want any of that, all you need to do is email fanzine at cfcuk.net uh, and you can also pay by PayPal using the same email address. But basically, ping DJ an email First, explain you want to subscribe and off you jolly well go. Right, we're going to have a quick break. When we come back, we will be talking more about the Spurs-Chelsea match and picking up on some other great performances, uh, as Mark was alluding to, with Kepper, for example. See you in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and this, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast with me and Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. And Dan Silver. Hello. And Mark Meehan. Good evening, everybody. There we go. Also known as the Brains Trust, or as they said, was it No Good Country for Old Men? I think it might have been that one. Uh, I was, was it? He's the brains of an otherwise no-brain outfit. Yes, I'll leave you with I that. I think you're doing yourself down there, Chidge. Yes, anyway. Uh, yes, possibly. Anyway, um, you, you were saying before the break, Mark, that we had some good uh, good performances all round, and, and I thought we did, actually. I thought, I, I, I have, I'm going to start with the defence first. Um I've got to be honest, Malang Saar impresses me more and more and more and more every time I see him play for Chelsea. I thought he was superb again yesterday, um, which kind of occurred to me, what is his future at Chelsea? I, I think his, his future at Chelsea is a good one. Um, again, you know, very good. You know, uh, And thinking back since he came at the side, I think, was it, was it Brentford he came in at? You know, I think... Uh, um, whew, that's a few weeks ago now when we had that very young young defence. Uh, him, I think, Christensen, I can't remember who else at the back. 
and yeah, he's grown, you know, game by game. And I, I thought he had a fine game, fine game yesterday. The whole defence played well yesterday, not not just our. Hey, Rudiger hey, again. He was out of his, you know, skin, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was immense yesterday. Full shit housery mode as well. You know, if they don't, you know, hate Alonso, they hate Rudiger more, I, I imagine. And you know, those idiots throwing, you know, they've been arrested, haven't they? They're two two arrested throwing lighters and bottle openers at him. Yeah, you know, what kind of stupid behaviour is that? Spurs you know? Spurs behaviour, mate. Spurs, it's Spursy, it's exactly. Yeah, but he, he rose above that. Um, yeah, another great performance. So I think whatever we need to do, we probably need to find find a way to keep him. Yeah, really, 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 really good performance. All of the defense, and it wasn't just the defence as well. You know, as we said at the start of the show, Mount best game in ages, big game player. I thought Callum had a good game as, as well yesterday. I think he deserved the standing ovation he got from everybody when he got taken off. We've covered Ziyech. It was, you know, certain players had their best game so far, but it was also an all-round good team performance as well. And there's that small matter of the other bloke at the back. Oh, what's his name? Oh, oh Tiago Silva. Silva. Yeah, let me let me read you out this, actually, because I've got some good stats on, uh, on Tiago. I mean, another arguably man of the match uh, for denying Spurs a goal. I mean, it was brilliant. We'll talk about that later. But uh, right, 37 years old and 123 days old, Thiago Silva is the oldest player to score in the Premier League since February 2013, when 39-year-old Ryan Giggs netted against Queen's Park Rangers (laughs) for Man United. JK, there's hope for us yet, mate. Well, funnily enough, I've been polishing, I've been dubbing my boots. Dubbing your boots? Dubbing boots. Anybody, anybody know what that is? Is what you? I, I, yeah, I, I know what dubbing is. I no, use I mean, dubbing. I didn't mean. I meant. I meant listening rather than hearing the. Uh, well, the I, I was listening. Does that not count? Dubbing is that when you kind of do a voiceover? <laughs> <laughs> Good shout, Dan. I'd have to do it like that, though, wouldn't I? As if it was yeah. the fifties. I've been dubbing my boots. It was. I wonder what was in dubbing. We need to look it up. It had a whale fat. Yeah, something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. There was some uh, some animal, some fish involved somewhere, um, but it kept the it kept the boots pristine. It kept those ankle boots that uh, if you they didn't have such a thing as a metatarsal injury in those days, did you? You'd get a broken leg from kicking somebody. But, You'd get a uh, broken leg because a bit like a ski boot. If you planted those would. boots and somebody came through you, your your leg would basically snap. Oh, it, that would be the end of your. Well, I think it would. It would be your, your ass would snap as well, wouldn't it? It would yeah. just be absolutely that would be the end of your career. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, there is hope for us yet. I think I'd last. If you remember the last time I played, I tore both hamstrings <laughs> simultaneously. Right. Was that so, was that your final match then? I didn't that know was that. Funnily enough, my final match. Yes, yes. So I've uh, I've yet to to grace the green sward. Do you know? Um, do you know what? I I retired. I I did like a um, uh, Robin. What was it? What's what's that mad? Was it Robin Friday? Oh, the ex-Cardiff Reading yeah, player. I was a bit like that. I kind of retired at, at, at 17, I think, or 16 even. Discovered sex and drugs and rock and roll and never and never graced the turf again. I think I made one more try when I was about 21, but that by that time I didn't, I didn't imbibe so much sex and drugs and rock and roll that I was almost coughing up blood and having to run around on a pitch. So I decided <laughs> I'll stick to cricket. It's less, it doesn't exert, <laughs> not, not well, as exerting. I think we might have covered it on a previous show. My my retirement was brought about in a friendly. Um, uh, I was playing in goal uh, and against sort of like um, yeah, like Ivor Badil, um, sort of like someone I've known for years, and Clive Batty, who's written a number of books. So we used to regularly play them at Regent's Park. So we played them um, before a game one Saturday and 
the guy who played in goal for them came out as you know for the last 10 minutes just were run out on the pitch uh, uh i was in goal we went for a 50 50 ball um and if anyone's ever seen me put shorts on, I've got a massive scar, like a V-shaped scar on my leg, where I, I made the mistake because I was playing a goal not wearing shin pads. A bit like Bill Garner. Bill Garner never used to wear shin pads. Um, and he actually slid into my shin, and then it, the stud hit my shin and did a V you know, simultaneously. And I had this sort of flapping skin there without realising, because I had black sack, socks on. And suddenly realised why the socks had suddenly changed to red simultaneously. So that that retired my football career that day. Yeah, well, Dan Dan is the only one amongst. Well, of course, Dan is considerably younger than all of us. But Dan, you're you're still playing, aren't you? Uh, I haven't played for a couple of years. I was okay. doing five aside. Yeah, but yeah, time's time. I'm yeah. like you know. So I mean, ten so, yards out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unlike Chris Sutton, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, it was an all-round good performance, as we were saying. I've got another. I've got another stat here uh, about Mason Mount. Um, Jay, we've all we've already said he he had an outstanding game and was whizzing around like a whirling dervish. Uh, he's now re- he registered his twentieth assist uh, for, of course, the brilliant free kick, uh, which Silver very cleverly headed for number two. Uh, so that's his twentieth twentieth assist since the start of the twenty nineteen twenty campaign. Uh, the most of any player at the club in this period across all competitions. So even when Mount's not at his best, and I think we'd all be honest enough to say he's not been at his best recently, he still has this habit of delivering one way or another. And I think that's, you know, that is that is an, an attribute of a very good player in my book, when they're still contributing, even if they're not at their best, JK. Do you think it, it's also because the team was playing so well, so that it... it, well, it could be chicken and egg, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, he, he rises to the occasion. Can I just give a word for Dave, though, who I thought beautifully um, embraced the shithousery of dealing with uh, Bergwin, who the poor bloke... What a just... snide little Gareth that bloke is, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just felt that he was... The, the scragging that was going on with both... Dave and Rudiger yeah. was, it was right in front of you, wasn't it? It was, and it was driving the, the their bench absolutely um, round the twist, get leaping up in dismay when Tierney, the less said about him, the better. What a dreadful referee he is. Um, Dave didn't give anything. I mean, even I was thinking, oh, I think Dave's, um, you know, s- squeezed his ass there, and he got, you know, nothing's. He's 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 not. Uh, he's he's hugging him. Why isn't he giving giving a foul? But. Um, uh, he's a he's a, a, a mystery to me that ref. Once again, another man who refs forty yards away from the from what's going on, and and the linesmen do nothing. You've got to have a relationship with the linesmen so they give fouls themselves. Well, let, let's talk about the ref because that is next on the agenda. I know Mark wanted to come in. Uh, do, you, do you want to do you want to come in very quickly, Mark? I wanted to come in on that point, Chidge. Okay, well, yeah. can, can, let, let's yeah, let's, yeah, let's yeah. get into it now then. Yeah. Because I mean, there were three there were three incidents that were. Well, I mean, I'm glad about the first one because I can absolutely see that on another day that that would not have been given as a foul on on Silver because he he was clever with that, uh, and we were a bit lucky there. But I got a, I I cannot for the life of me understand why on earth Doherty did not get a red card for for you know nearly break. I mean, he could have broken Sar's ankle. I mean, so it it surely fits in. I mean, it might there might not have been intent there. But it was dangerous. So why? And it was also late. So I can't understand that. And then there was no penalty for Skip 
rugby tackling even worse than Harry Maguire did it Aspie in the box so um, uh, you know I'm going to go Mark first because he, he he stuck his hand up then Dan and then JK can make some sense of all of it for us because I know he's an expert no I was trying to link the last starting because obviously the question you ask is about Saar yeah and uh, you know so as well as saying how well he played yesterday yeah you know, I, I was going to come in and say he was lucky he was still on the pitch yeah because Doherty actually stood on his ankle yeah. Yeah, he actually stood on his own. And then it goes to VAR and Doherty doesn't get anything. Never mind a red, he didn't get a bloody yellow. And then you look at the end of match stats. We've got two players booked. The only player they had booked, Dan made reference to earlier, Katanga was the only player they had booked yesterday. You see the farce that is Dave in the penalty area. And it wasn't just Skip, it was Davis as well. So it wasn't just fouled once, he was fouled twice. The pair of them combined to or rugby, rugby tackle him to the ground. But again, if you look at it, you know, behind, you can also see them doing the same at Rudiger as well. You know, so like how many of our players need to be pulled and tugged and rugby tackled to the ground before we get a penalty? And then, you know, we get on to match of the day, you know. So, uh, you know, match of the day, do what a surprise, with Jermaine Genius on there. Do, you know, poor old moaning, whinging Harry Kane not getting a penalty because... Do you know what? He got caught out pushing a player that he forever makes a career doing. But they did they show the tackle on Saar? No, they didn't. Did they discuss Aspilicueta's penalty? No, they didn't. You know, you know, two really key points in the game, a red tackle. And over the weekend, they showed other incidents as well. You know, actually, that could have ended his career. That was a really bad yeah. tackle by Dotty, and he remained on the pitch. Unbelievable. To, oh, I know, I hate to bring up back to our friends at referees again, just like... Yeah. But it's every week, Mark. Properly. It's yeah. every week, and it's no better with VAR, in my opinion. Dan? Yeah, also, weirdly, the tackle by Doherty, someone tweeted it, and within about five minutes, it removed for copyright reasons. It's very hard to find anything online about that tackle that Doherty did. So it's very weird. It just like, just gets removed so quickly. And also, put on, listen, VAR is actually an inanimate object. It's a very good system. There's the absolute idiots at Stockley Park well, led by Mike Riley, that are the problem. Riley needs to go. They need a massive revamp at PGMOL. This is a billion-pound industry, and this is the standard referee that is part of a billion-pound industry. It's absolutely abysmal. It's inconsistent. None of it makes sense. The rules, like the the, um, the rules, the lines, everything about it is so fundamentally flawed. They need independent assessors there. There's clearly a bias. So don't care what anybody says. Not just towards Chelsea, but to other teams as well. There's big game decisions that go the, go the way of the big teams. That penalty that Liverpool Absolutely got, yeah. appalling, wasn't what it? What a oh. fucking joke that was. I'm so oh. sorry. The referee on the pitch was very close to it. He got it right. And how, how they can award a penalty for that? Yeah, one? but how did he then get persuaded that it was he's a penalty? Been, he's gone to look at it again. I still yeah, don't know why, how why he was he persuaded. He could have just said, no, There's Jota. Too absolute, much pressure ob- from up from up top, JK. You can't. You if they send you to the monitor, then the inference yeah, is you've got it, it wrong, yeah. so you've got to change it. And if you but don't change it, somebody didn't. Somebody didn't. They they refused it. Whether they got. Told I bet they up. were playing in League Two the next week. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's pretty like, no listen, listen, ref. Listen, I've got twenty grand and over two and a half goals. Can we give a penalty, please? Betting syndicates. But what I found ridiculous about that Jota thing was it. We all watched it, right? We're all just supporters. We're not. We're right. We. I mean, I qualified as a ref twenty-five years ago, thirty years ago. But that, nonetheless, that I. That I don't think that it, it. That means that I have any uh, better ability than you lot to make a decision like that. We all could see absolutely obviously that Jota made a decision 
to barge into the goalkeeper and to go off the line of the ball. So what the fuck is a bloke looking at it with, you know, 27 different angles coming in from a different, why does he get a different view of it? Why does he say, say that that is a penalty? They don't apply the laws properly, which is absolutely what, well, not in this sense, it's not even applying the laws. It's just watching what happens on the pitch, particularly watching what happens on a television screen. It defies logic, all of this. And also what happened to just being clear and obvious, they seem to refer almost every decision back to VAR, clear, obvious or not. And if it takes 44 retakes, to get a decision right, you can't be that sure. You know, it's uh, I, 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 just it beggars uh, belief, doesn't it? Everything it just kills a game. You know, you, yeah. you know, when Silver scored, I was waiting just for an offside checks. So I thought, oh great, it's oh, but was yeah. he offside? Me There's too. always that kind of just yeah, me that, too. The, the raw emotion of scoring a goal is going from the game. It's just crazy. I mean, the point. I mean, Tony makes a good point. Or Mixler actually we're talking about the VAR decisions and the and the stupidity ar- arising from so many of them. Uh, that in the World Cup and European Championships, it worked fine. So it's got to have something to do with our referees and the PGMOL. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. The VAR system is very good. It's functional. It works well. Is it, it's, This is an inanimate object. The, the people controlling it are the problem. Yeah. Down to Mike Riley, no accountability whatsoever. They, mm. they, they need to get rid of him. They need to yeah. just well, get somebody in who's got the rules and to deal with it. And referees... They need, there needs to be some sort of accountability post-match, maybe on a Saturday, statement comes out, whatever. They need to be accountable. They need to answer to their mistakes. They do. Uh, Mark? No, I, I was going to say something similar. Like, VAR, you know, is worked elsewhere. VAR should be there to aid and abet the referee, should be there to help the referee. And at the present moment in time, you know, the referees, I know they are who they are, the referees, and I don't think you'll ever call a lot of them. And some of it, I think the referee is being undermined by VAR and the people in VAR. You know, you know, I'm a great believer in you know, the referee is the referee of the game. And at times, it feels like the referee's power has been taken away from them because Dan's point about clear and obvious. You know, the referee should be the referee of the game. And surely the referee should determine when VAR gets used. You know, he or she makes the decision. And then if in doubt for any reason, they then go to VAR. Because at the present moment in time, some of the decisions coming out of VAR just is undermining the referee. And the moment they get called over to look at that screen, they almost feel pressurised into reversing or changing their decision because they, some bloke sitting at Stockley Park is almost pointing them in that direction, perhaps, as we said on the show before, directed by Mike Dean. Mike Dean's the most senior ref. You know, how often do you see Mike Dean undermine when he's a referee? You know, not very often, because God help them if they do. You know, so I, I think... VAR is here to stay. It should be, you know, it's demonstrated works elsewhere. You know, should be used in a way that helps the referee uh, referee the game, and it isn't working for referees at the moment. They're being undermined, you know, twenty four seven by VAR, and it should be because it's, you know the system should work. Dean did undermine Mariner, didn't he, in the um, uh, in the, the the Carabao Cup second leg though. Because he changed all the decisions, didn't he? Which was for, to the good. That's actually worked. Worked. That worked really well. The VAR works. Three decisions. I keep going on about this, but I'll just repeat it. it the um, to me, Tierney's one of the worst for this. He's he's frequently forty yards away from the incidents, and you can't get it right. Uh, and he he's a great one for playing on when. We've all seen that it's an obvious foul. And the person who has seen it's an obvious foul is the linesman. But they are too scared 
to or they haven't seen it because they're just so obsessed with trying to work out whether it's offside or not but they there is this deference to the from the linesman to the to the referee who who is the man in charge which has to stop but it will stop more easily if the referee is further up with play because it's so difficult to make a proper decision when you're 35 to 40 yards away which they all are all the time because they're not fit enough because they're all too old now all this selection of them atkinson moss mariner friend um they, if you look at them they stagger about the bloody pitch you just want to go no athleticism please be up with play i don't matter if the ball gets whisked down the other end run after it don't they're all trying to find this perfect position in the middle of the pitch on the angle which is how you're taught to do it and not thinking in terms of if I can keep up with play, I'll be able to see it better. And that, or if I can't get there, my linesman will see it for me. And it's just it. There isn't this 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 teamwork that there needs to be, and they're not fit enough. I mean, what was it? Kalina was one of the reasons Kalina wasn't it in Italy was so excellent because he was standing over things. You you wouldn't doubt his decision. He's there. He's on top of it. He was so fit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. Very good points all. Um, let's uh, finish this on a more, uh, shall we say, cheery note, I suppose. Just a quick few stats about uh, beating Spurs again. I mean, it's just delightful, isn't it? Um, so, apparently, Tottenham have won just one of their last 31 Premier League away games against Chelsea, uh, which is, of course, when Conte lost 3-1. Disgraceful behaviour by a Chelsea manager. Um and since 1990, uh, so all matches at Stamford Bridge, so not including any other, you know, ones we played in neutral venues like Wembley, um, Chelsea have won 25, drawn 12, and lost only one. So that means Spurs have won one of the only. There's one win in their last 38 matches. Uh, they really are our bitches, aren't they? 501 points is what we've earned from uh, 272 London derby matches in the Premier League. That means we're the first side to reach 500 points in such fixtures in the history of the competition. And Tottenham have failed to score in each of their last six meetings with Chelsea in all competitions, making it the first time Spurs have gone six games without a goal against an opponent in their history. Uh, the last scorer was uh, Eric Lamella in the EFL Cup in September 2020. And of course, as we all know, Chelsea have become the first side to beat Spurs four times in one season since Chelsea did it in 2002. Now, in honour of the fact that uh, we've been really enjoying doing this 50 years of Chelsea, we haven't quite got up to uh, the 2002 season yet. Uh, but it happens to be uh, one of my favourite seasons because it also kind of uh, segued very beautifully into the fact that that's when I got my season ticket in gate 17 so that's the first time I was sitting up there and as a consequence I remember things very well so I remember that season and those games unusually and with unusual clarity for me and everybody knows I've got a memory like a goldfish uh, but we uh, we beat them uh, at White Hart Lane in September 3-2 uh, Hasselbank scores loads of goals in this little run yeah he scored two two goals for us that day Desai of course got the got a last minute winner we always love a last minute winner against Spurs because in those days we were trying to keep that that uh, you know run of being undefeated against them going we then played them in the Worthington Cup semi-final uh, I remember I was there for that uh, 2-1 uh, Hasselbank scored two again and uh, Ferdinand scored a goal we won't talk about the replay uh, the return leg sorry uh, <clears throat> enough said about that the better and then this is this is poetry we played them in the FA Cup uh, at White Hart Lane and we walloped them 4-0 
Good uh, Johnson got a couple. Gallus got the first. Lasso got one. And then the last one where we we basically were the first team to beat them four times in a season. We did them four nil again. Uh, this time uh, three days later after the FA Cup match in the Premier League at the Stamford Bridge, and Hasselbank got a perfect hat trick. Left foot, well, right foot header, left foot that little curler into the into the top uh, into the bottom right corner, and. Uh, it was so good. What I remember about this, at the stall or somewhere around there, they were selling, Mark might remember this because, of course, he's got a brilliant memory, but I bought a T-shirt, which was just, it was so busy, but it was basically four by four by four because we also beat Sunderland 4-0 around the same period. I think it might have been the week after. Uh, so we had this T-shirt four by four by four, but it was all about destroying Spurs and they had like a gravestone on it the death of spurs basically and it was brilliant i'd lost the bloody thing but it was a brilliant t-shirt but uh i remember that so well it was absolutely wonderful do you remember that mark i don't remember that but the thing i do remember is when we won at white Hart lane because it was after and i think he was there yesterday the chicken kisser so the, the chicken kisser had his moment in the 5-1 defeat and then we played them soon after in the fa cup and you know the chant was born normal service has been resumed yeah and then obviously carried on a few days later, as you said, when Jimmy got that perfect hat trick, like, um, you know, left, right and off his head. Yeah, no, I don't remember the T-shirt, but yeah, I, I do remember the chant. I think the other thing, coming back to the previous point, you know, about Mr Tierney, um, he's a bit of a lucky charm. Who was the referee when we won at Tottenham earlier in the season, 3-0? Um, you're going to tell us it was Tierney, aren't you? It's Tierney, yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> We have a good record with Mr. Tierney as referee. of some of the decisions he makes. You know. Indeed, indeed. Dan, do you remember that the first four, uh, four? Well, when we beat them four times in two thousand. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was in, when we got the winner. I was, I was in the Spurs end. I'm sit, sit on my hands <laughs> in the belly of the beast. Especially yeah. such a last minute winner. It was because I was right next to the Chelsea fans in the Tottenham end, and I remember looking across somebody smiling, going like that. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very tough very very tough so I didn't have any tickets so I got them for tout he goes yeah yeah see the Chelsea and the Chelsea and I thought oh okay, yeah yeah next to the Chelsea they should have mentioned but it was um, yeah and I remember the, the, the double four nils the FA Cup on a Sunday morning wasn't it when Johnson scored the so scored yeah and uh, do we say uh, normal service has been resumed we sang didn't we one of the yeah, games yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we yeah. I think the so got sent off in that game and we still won 4-0. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly yeah. that. JK, bring back any memories? Well, I remember I was at all of them, but yeah. um I'd, I'd have to go through. I wasn't through, at the away uh, one. I was at all the home all the home games. I I have to go through the the program when we do that and it'll all come flooding back when I look at it and uh, and the little events will appear, but at the moment it's all a bit um misty. Yeah. Know. I remember Soxy say... scoring. Soxy is one of my favorite players of the, of the of that period, and I loved him scoring. Thought he was great. Yeah, well, I just think when we came out of White Hart Lane Station, turned right, and the, the pubs on the corner, it was it was a bit busy and lively. You know, on on that Sunday morning game, you know, going down to White Hart Lane the day we won four nil. Yeah, bit probably like it was in the East Upper yesterday. Well, I was going to say, well, but it was a bit busy around Fulham Road apparently, and uh, Earl's Court Road, from what I understand. Anybody? Well, we, were, we were on the stall yesterday, and we were chatting to the TSG guys. And we say, like, yeah, do you think you're going to be busy today? And they go, not off. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Dan? I was actually talking to a copper as well. And he goes, yeah, he's apparently, he took, laughing, he goes, oh, it's, it's West Ham and anyone at the moment is the real nightmare for London policing. Apparently West Ham is proper right mess at the moment. I mean, there was some trouble at Fulham Broadway as well when I got down there. Some 
So I'm not sure who it was, but he got arrested and thrown off the train for having, having a fight with somebody, which or who's Tottenham or, or Chelsea. Because so there's, 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 there's a fight eastbound platform. I'm like, oh, great, that's why I'm going. And I saw the coppers running down about six of them. By the time I got down, they pulled somebody off the train and stuck him in handcuffs. Yeah, well, uh, Dazza's brother, uh, Gary, got, got smacked in Earl's Court by the Blackbird pub, apparently. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. You Apparently the guy did it, actually managed to fall over himself and was caught on CCTV camera. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, anyway, I think the bottom line is we all needed we all needed that yesterday. Not not the aggro, I hasten to add, but we certainly we certainly needed that win. I th- I love what uh what um what Tuchel said about it. He said we were relentless, JK, and I kind of like that when we're playing Tottenham. Yeah, I think we were. That's why, once again, I'll object and be be um, annoying by saying, you know, we should have won it. We should we should put them completely to the sword and humiliate them absolutely. I love doing that to Tottenham um, uh, and beat them five nil. You know, they 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 had the chances to do it, and they I, should. I never I never once felt, and I'm a very nervous watcher on the telly because you're. I feel so isolated and, and disconnected from it in a way. I mean, I didn't. After we scored that second goal, I didn't worry one bit. I thought, no, we're not. There's no way they're coming back into this. They look like a broken team. But, but yeah, but we're constantly then saying, well, let's get the third. No, Come no, I it. agree. But I, I wasn't worried that we that they might claw it. No, back, no, 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 no. I was like the same. Well, the trouble is, is you never know. It could be one boot up the pitch and and um, uh, journey lets um, um, Bergwin, whatever his name is. Uh, kick somebody and go through and have a shot and it deflects and, and they've got a goal and then they all go berserk, don't they? So um, there's always that problem with, with, with being 2-0 up. But yeah, we were, we were absolute, they, they're unbelievably poor and we were, we were very good again yesterday for a change. So. Just thought the difference over previous weeks was we got the second goal very quickly off the first one and that killed the game. I, did, I didn't ever feel worried. I was, you know, Spurs barely, until the last minute with that Kepa save, Kepa wasn't worried. You know, a couple of speculative shots and that was it. They were their hope without Son in that team and Kane, they're very poor. I thought Kane, Kane wondered about like it wasn't interested, couldn't get couldn't get involved, very, very downbeat. I mean, you know, such a shame, such a great striker is going to be, end up being Harry Nemiddles when his career ends. Serves him right for staying for playing for Tottenham, mate. Yeah, exactly. I, I think 2-0 game was over. Yes, we could have made it more comfortable. I think that will come in time. But it was it, as 2-0 wins go, that was pretty pretty comfortable yeah definitely mark yeah i think never in doubt for me you know me i'm an optimist by nature and obviously in the pub beforehand it's tottenham it's what we do you know they were the perfect team to play yesterday on the run we've been on you know get a win under our belts have a break you know go into the club world championship so thank you for tottenham for you know not letting us down but again like dan i want to pick up on the harry kane point yesterday as well other than that which we tossed on slightly the thing with um silver and the header that kept us safe he didn't do a lot. No. Just, he's, he's become a bit of a, like a, a parody, like a moaning mini, you know, just going around. The amount of times he went over to the referee and moaning at the referee, whether, like Dan says, without Son, who is probably, you know, their foil um, in the side, they, they were just toothless up front, you know, so maybe he should have joined Man City after all. His goal output's down massively. Yeah. He didn't even look like, you know, apart from the, the foul, which great play by Sylvie. He, was, he just, just, he had a couple of runs when he just ran the ball out of play. He just looks so disinterested in being there. To be fair, they did choose a Conte did choose a very defensive lineup, didn't he? he didn't even put what's yeah, that's respect for Harry Harry Kane. Mora, Mora on. I know, but if Mora's on, at least at least he's a foil for Kane. But no, I I I agree completely. He's a he's a shadow of his. He's a foil. busted flush, mate. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think well, there you go. As are Tottenham, of course. Always lovely to see them struggling a bit, although they're not struggling. They've got all, all those games in hand. They keep well, I was going to say, Mark. Well, they, they have. I mean, we're we're now third with uh, we're only one point behind Liverpool. We're ten points behind City, um, and uh, West Ham are well. United, Man United are fourth with thirty-eight, so they're what they're nine points behind. Uh, West Ham are fifth, ten points behind. Arsenal six, eleven points behind. Arsenal, uh, Tottenham seventh, eleven points behind. So there's a fair, fair distance between us and uh, our rivals for fourth space. So it, it's definitely we needed that, I think. Right, we're going to have a quick break, and then we, when we come back, we are going to be talking the fannies, in it, man of the match, Guinness, and celery moments. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, and uh, him down there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Hello. Hello. How are we? Oh, we're we're blooming, thank blooming, you. Blooming, blooming. Uh, I've got the lovely Dan Silver with us. Good evening. And last, but by no means least, Mr. Mark Meehan. Uh, good evening, everybody, and good evening, all you good people in Mixler taking the trouble to taking the time and the trouble to tune in on a Monday evening. There we go. I, I, I do love the fact that um, you know when you're not on, you're quite often in Mixler listening to this, Mark. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I love, yeah. Love, love, love listening in, and that's that's one of the privileges of like you invite me on, you know, in, in a 
previous season to take part in the fan cast because I've listened to it for so long. Just to be part of it now is really, really special. Oh, that's lovely. Well, yeah, you and Tony are very good at that. Tony's in there tonight, as are many, many of our mates as well. Uh, Blue Heaven since 97. Daryl, Mr. Stick. Stick's in there, JK. Stick, 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 Stick. Excellent stuff. There we go. Brian, Justman, loads of people in there. Anyway, it's now time uh, in this part. We've got some fannies coming up. We've got some Discord questions. Of course, Mr. Stick is the leader of the uh, the Discord group, I think. He posts more than anybody else. He's even got his own own channels in there. Uh, we've got some emails as well. And uh, then there'll be a bit of a roundup of the Prem Predictions League because it's kind of finished, although it hasn't technically because, of course, there's a game next weekend. But I think for all intents and purposes, it is finished. Anyway, Fanny's first, and it's time for this. Chelsea Fancast. Man of the match. That's right. It's man of the match. And uh, the nominations were Hakim Ziyech, Malang Sar and Thiago Silva and JK what would you have gone for? Um, Sar had an excellent game um, he's a very um, muscular youth very speedy great ball control gets better and better um, I thought was terrific however not as good as Silva who was um, pulsatingly fantastic as always um, it, it, well, I was looking at him really minutely and just thinking, what what are his strengths? It's the fact he's so two footed that he'll he'll if somebody makes a lunge towards him, he'll he'll flick the ball away with either his left or his right foot, and then play an absolutely perfect small pass that is 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 exactly the right pace uh, and at the right angle. Um, his his positional play is absolutely phenomenal, and his those raking passes that he plays are are, are absolute world class. He's a world class player. He was terrific. However, however, it just so happened that uh, um, Hakim Ziyech played completely out of his skin in that game, and uh, as I said, best I've seen him play in a Chelsea shirt. Phenomenal defending, phenomenal skill. Um, very, very getting rid of the ball really swiftly, getting into very good positions, superb crosses. In fact, everything that we thought that we bought from Ajax, we we saw assembled and, of course, a completely world-class goal. So it has to be Hakim's Ajax. Indeed. Uh, Dan, what about you, mate? Yeah, Hakim, just brilliant performance. But I agree with Jonathan about Thiago, just everything about him is just beautiful the way he just marshals defence, effortless. He's, he is a supreme Rolls-Royce for footballer. At 37, how, how PSG let him go? They must be kicking themselves because he's performed at the top level for two seasons. Just, we're privileged to watch him pull on a Chelsea shirt. Yeah, And I love the way his whole family bought into the Chelsea culture, especially yeah. his wife. I think he's just such a fantastic, fantastic swan song for his career. And he, cl- he clearly loves us as much as we love him, which I think is yeah. brilliant, J.K. Yeah, but I love the fact that he comes up and he he, he loves all the, the, the plaudits he gets when everybody sings and he goes around on his own clapping everybody. But um, once again, I'll keep going on about this. You, if you get a great player playing for the club, you've just got to so relish it. I mean, I really just 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 watch him and, um, uh, well, enjoys the wrong word, just just exult, you know. I mean, he's absolutely fabulous, a fabulous player. And, and he'll, have, he'll get one more season out of him. 
So what are we talking about? Another, we'll have him for, if he doesn't get injured um, or he doesn't get rested. Say we, we see him for another 40 games, 50 games. Wonderful. Make sure that you just look at him and think, this is what other centre-halves need to aspire to, this absolute brilliance. Yeah, definitely right. Uh, Mark, what would you have gone for? What did you go for? Uh, I went for Ziyech. You had, you had to go for Ziyech. Mm. I, I, I agree with the guys. You know, Saar played well. Silva had another, another magnificent game, rewarded with that goal. But as I said earlier, you know, BBC commentary, he's in his moment. He had his moment yesterday. Uh, and I think, as I've said many times on here before, we don't buy bad players. We're Chelsea Football Club. We, we only buy good players. But sometimes, and we've all debated it over many shows, certain players have good days, bad days. You know, we've talked about it tonight. But perhaps with the right right coaching, the right tactics, the right formation, sometimes a player finds a way. You know, and I think Ziyech did that yesterday. You know, man of the match for me, you know. Well deserved and rounded off by a superb goal. Indeed, it was. Well, uh, you'll you'll not be surprised to learn that pretty much everybody agreed with what you were saying on all fronts. Actually, Malang Sar got five percent, Thiago got nineteen percent, and Hakim Ziyech, runaway winner of Man of the Match, with seventy six percent. So well done, him. Keep it. Uh, keep going, as uh, Tuchel said to him. Now, the next one, of course, is for the for this celery. Chelsea fan cut celery. <laughs> there we go. Celery moment time. And uh, as just to remind you all, it's a moment of comedy on or off the pitch or something proper Chelsea. And the nominations were, now I don't know if you boys would have seen this. this was, I had the luxury of watching it on TV, so I knew about this. But the net, uh, they discovered at the just before we were about to kick off for the second half that there was a gaping hole in the goal net in the Matthew Harding end at the side of it and they had to fix it with cable ties which I thought was quite and I kept on thinking it's going to be really funny if somebody from the left-hand side puts an absolute rocket in because there's no way they're going to hold because it was all completely taut and wrong Uh, but of course it didn't really happen so uh, we never saw that but I thought that was quite funny I don't think I've ever seen that before actually in a game so the broken net Um, we could not do this with a, without a salary moment being beating Spurs four times in a season again or just beating Spurs again would have been enough. So that got that got a nomination. And last by no means least, now JK might have been, I, well, I, I hesitate to say that he was involved in this, but he may well have, he may well have been the leader of the mob who, or the firm, the, <laughs> the, the East Upper Firm, as we'll now East call it. And, the, East and do your yeah, job. East, East Upper or East Middle Firm. JK was there directing operations from a safe oh. distance, I'm sure. But anyway, because people have no idea what I'm talking about. Some people were anyway. But there's somebody, a Spurs fan apparently, videoed Spurs fans having it out with a few fans in the upper tier of the East Stand. Now, anybody who knows anything knows that the East End is not, or the East Upper particularly, is not necessarily known for its, shall we say, or what, what, what Kent Bates used to lovingly describe as the lunatic fringe of the Chelsea support. They're, They're a not bit, Larry, are no, they? No, they're usually very sedate, etc., etc., etc. But anyway, Spurs were clearly trying to get at them over the line of the stewards, and the East Upper were not having it at all, and they were giving more than more, more than enough back, actually. So... Uh, so I told you, Spurs get battered everywhere they go, even by the uh, relatively <laughs> docile East Upper 
members. So there we go. In the family section were at it as well. Well, well, well Rick, the family section's in the lower tier, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they were giving it back to Spurs fans. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. We, we'd have completely lost control if the East Middle you know, had reared up. You know. No, but I think that's where all the leaders of the firms secretly sit, whining and dining and direct. A bit like kind of, you know, Duke of Wellington era, you know, they're like sitting in their posh tents drinking claret. We're all texting everybody to do yeah. our bit, do our bit. You'd have sent your butler along to do it for you, Jim. I would indeed. My butler with a with a a, a rolling pin, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of reminds me of that. It kind of reminds me of that Monty Python sketch. I have kind of a vision of you all kind of leaping out of the uh, East Middle with with a haddock in one hand and a roach in the other, and slapping the Spurs fans across the face with these wet fish. You know, but. Anyway, I should stop taking drugs, really. Uh, anyway, so those are the nominations. Uh, all pretty good this week, I have to say. And uh, what would you have gone for, JK? Broken net. Broken because, net. Because we talked about that a lot, because we were all trying to say what would... Because they were trying to work out why the second half had been delayed. And I said, it looks to me as if the net's broken, because the the um, the, the one of the roles of the uh, assistant referee is to always check the nets for holes, which I always thought was a complete waste of time, you know, given the fact that the, the ground staff had only been on. It was the kind of thing you do when you're doing a, a Sunday morning game and, you know, and it, it, you've had to put the nets up yourself and they're, they're not the best nets because they've actually been the same nets for the last 30 years and there are bound to be holes in them. So you have to, uh, you have to uh, analyse them. It's part of the, I think it's in the laws, Must you, that is your role as, as linesman to look to see if there are any holes. Well, obviously there are lots of holes in the net but any any specific ones so we were all saying well it's a bit of a waste of time if he points a hole out all they need to do is is look at var to see if the ball's gone in round the side but then we saw there was weirdly a picture of the the strange mesh that had been created that there seemed to be a bow in the middle of that you know as if somebody had done their shoelaces up which i said that's not going to hold and then funnily enough in the in the middle of the second half a shot did actually hit the side netting very near to where the hole was. And we were all expecting to see the ball ending up in the net. And I actually commented about the, uh, um, the game where Alan Hudson scored that invisible goal where he'd hit the stanchion and it had come out. What was it? Was that Ipswich? Uh, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Of how um, perhaps the ball would go in that way and the referee would refuse to, uh, being Tierney, he refused to look at VAR. Um, uh, but yeah, it was uh, to me that was the that was the silliest moment. I mean, obviously beating Spurs, we do that enough. I don't think that's a salary moment. And I have to say, the East Upper battering it went completely over our heads. We had no idea it was going on in the East Stand Middle. But as you say, we were we were consuming some uh, some swan on toast at the time. So uh, I don't think it's likely we'd have been paying well, any attention true, to a bu- bundle. True. Place, True know. Panks has said on Mixler, this is pretty said Wellington on the East Upper firm. I don't know what they do to the enemy, but they scare the hell out of me. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So there we go. Mark, what are you what are you having, mate? Uh I'm with JK. It has to be the broken net. Uh and yeah, we were aware they actually had it at the start of the second half up on the big screen. That's right, they did. Yeah, that's they, right. They did. I remember, yeah. What was going on? Because they hang on, yeah. the players are out. Why is it delayed? So fair yeah. play to you know, the fourth or third official ever checked it. They did their job. You know, you, you are meant to do that every game before you you know, yeah. the game at half time. So they did it and they found a hole in it. You know, I just WhatsApped our group at the time said, no need to fix the net, no one near it. Yeah, that's yeah. why I remember that. Brilliant. Yeah. 
Uh, clearly, like, you, know, you know, Tottenham were kicking that way in the, the first half. But yeah, I thought of Alan Hudson instantly as well. Yeah, that moment in the 70-71 season where Bobby Robson, the mild-mannered Bobby Robson, absolutely lost his shit. Yeah, when Hudson's goal was allowed that day. Yeah, so yeah, for me, that that was the comedy moment. Like, yeah, beating Spurs. That's not a comedy moment now. It's proper Chelsea, though. It's, pro- it's proper Chelsea, and we've been doing it for so long. It's it's not it's not comedy. It's just as we said earlier, normal services resumed. Mm. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Danny boy. Um, East Upper battering them because so there's one video. This guy in a white t-shirt just going hell for leather, taking all taking all, sp- all Spurs all at the same time. Just yeah, I mean Spurs get battered everywhere they go, literally. I love it. I thought it was very very funny. The East Upper Firm. Who who who'd have thunk it? Um, anyway, uh, doesn't matter what we think. It's all about what the people say. And the broken net got eleven percent. Uh, East Upper oh. East Upper battering Spurs thirty eight percent. Uh, and 51% think that beating Spurs again, and I said four by four, so I kind of really mean being doing it again, you know, from 2002, beating them four times a season. I think that's very proper, Chelsea, myself. So there you go, that wins it. And the last round of awards this week are for this. Oh. Oh. It's oh. that Guinness moment. That's right. It's the Guinness moment, which, of course, is for a moment of genius-like flair, which might uh, be mildly arousing, possibly sexually, might make you make funny noises like you heard there. Uh, Anyway, um, the nominees are Mount's free kick to Silver, Mount's pass to Hudson and Doyle. I don't know if you remember. I mean, the free kick was brilliantly brilliantly delivered, but there was a brilliant pass he did from right to left to switch the play to Hudson and Doyle, which just that certainly made me make strange sexual kind of noises but of course I mean if this doesn't win it then we give up and go home but of course I mean I know I said I know I said recently we will not put goals in as nominations because nobody understands a Guinness moment they all vote for a goal but I'm sorry how could you not nominate that worldie from ZHJK could you not have just made that uh, separate and just accept that that really is the Guinness moment yes but there are, there are make, but talk about other Guinness moments in it that there ought to be because it was so obviously a, the, the the greatest moment of the game and the greatest moment possibly of the from goal wise of the season. I mean, completely phenomenal goal. Um, but I, I felt there was another moment. I mean, I keep talking about um, Silver with moments where he just um, flicks the ball away or tackles and then plays a an absolutely brilliant pass. I think there were three or four of those. Uh, but I agree. Um, uh, for me, Mount's ball to uh, Adoy was was indeed a moist moment. Mm. I, I was I was um, I was glowing with mm. uh, with um, appreciation of that. So I would have voted for that myself yeah. if it weren't for the fact that Zayek's goal will obviously win it because it was brilliant. So. Yeah, indeed, it's kind of one of those weird weeks, isn't it, Dan? Hakeem, yeah. just uh, sexy brilliance. Indeed, yeah. I can't really say any more than that. It was just an absolute worldie. I mean, we've seen two worldies recently, which is great because Kovacic's worldie was, was also broke the rules because how could you not nominate that? Mark, I'm presuming you're thinking much the same? Rules have to be broken, yep. So, yeah. goals included, Zayet for me, country mark. Well, you'll not be surprised to, say, uh, to see that it was the runaway winner. Uh, Mount's free kick to Silver got 3%, the pass to Hudson-Odoi 2%. And uh, ZH's goal got 95%. But I have to say, you know, thoroughly, thoroughly well-deserved because it was it was a moment of genius. And that it's even in the description, a moment of genius-like flair. 
is what defines a Guinness moment. And that was definitely a moment of genius like flair. So that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. Right, we've got some very interesting... Uh, uh, we've got a hilarious, uh, actually talking of Hakim Ziyech, uh, young Chev, uh, the lovely Chev, uh, sent a Discord question. And I hasten to say, this was when the team was selected. He then wrote many a very contrite post, post-match. But he says, why does Ziyech keep getting special treatment when he's being so shit, JK? <laughs> um. I think the thing is, it's we've been talking about it. He's not everybody has labeled him as being so shit, but for me, he's just been enigmatic. I keep calling him the enigmatic Zayat because he does something wonderful, like the goal he scored against um, Brighton, and then yet a lot of the time, then it's the it's his final. Yes, he is shit. Your final pass, the final pass, um, just goes over the goal line. It's that he does have a tendency to play ridiculously long passes doesn't he but which he didn't do at all against Spurs he didn't play well no, he played one one of them I remember he apologized profusely and then Jorginho did that as well so you know I think that they're prone to that if they can cut that out of their game I don't understand what they're trying to do when they do that there's that kind of uh, overthinking long pass to no one which the goalkeeper picks up or lets it go for a goal kick but um, yeah I don't I don't think I mean, the number of times people have said Zayat was absolutely terrible uh, and he or sh- complete shit. And he's done in that game about three or four decent things. And I think it's what Tuchel sees um, the potential. And if Pulisic isn't playing very well, um, what alternative is there? And Havertz is not playing very well and he's not really a Havertz type player. Um, uh, you play him and, it, and and he's 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 shown... Um, the confidence in him has borne fruit, hasn't it? It has. It has indeed. Uh, so, well answered there. Uh, this one is for Dan. Uh, Kenroy, who doesn't like Spurs very much. Kenroy lives in St. Lucia and we love Kenroy a lot. He Kenroy says... You what? Kenroy knows his apples. He does. Yeah, you know Kenroy. He says, we just beat Spurs four times in one season. 8-0 on aggregate. This is the best season ever. Should I go out on top and officially retire as a Chelsea fan? Nah, you can never do that because you know we enjoy big Spurs twice again next season and possibly a fifth time if we get in the FA Cup, which would make it hilarious. Well, indeed, it's very funny, Dan, because we had the the lovely Ricky Sachs on on Friday's show. Who you, you remember, Ricky? Yeah, and, I, heard the, I heard the podcast. Yeah. And Ricky, Ricky was bless his heart. Actually, he was he was incredibly, you know. Uh, well, I don't know what the word is really, but he was very well behaved. He wasn't punchy or, you know, he was very honest and realistic and he expected Spurs to lose. But he, he also opened the window on, on, on the psychological trauma it is of being a Spurs fan, uh, you know, and, and losing to Chelsea all the time, which I was quite surprised at. And, uh, and uh, you know, we said, oh, well, you never know. We might see you again this season if we draw you in the cup. And he was like, oh, no, God, no, please, not again. So uh, I, we will draw them in the cup. It's written in the stars. Um, Kenroy, I mean, you know, I think as you probably know now, because you've just been listening to the show, but we've done it before. We beat them four times before in a season. The only club to have ever done it to them, I think. We've now done it twice. And I, we, we told you about that in the 2002. And none of, us re- none of us retired then, did we? Indeed. If he'd retired then, see what he would have missed. Indeed. For goodness sake, Kenroy, you might have another 20 years of joy and another 19 to 20 trophies. Come on, mate. Come indeed, on. Indeed. Indeed. He would have missed miss Roman Abramovich era completely. Yeah, exactly. So never, ever retire. Never retire, uh, as they say. Anyway, 
Uh, last one for you, uh, Mark, from uh, Mr. Stick. Stick! Stick! Stick asked, Stick asked loads of questions, but he put them in all after I'd done the script. So I got I got your early one in, Mr. Stick. I'm sorry about that. Stick! Stick! He says, is the 4141 a good long to- long-term formation for us, Mark? I don't think with our manager there is such a thing as a long-term formation. Um, I think he very much does different you know formations for different sides we've had three five two we've had the favored three four three we've had four three three and even though I some, I'm struggling to say it we've had the four two 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 formation you know there's a, a shortcut for that yeah yeah four triple two or four triple two yeah so we've had the different formation and I think you know it, it was a good formation yesterday it worked particularly well and I think he will use it a lot more in future but I don't think it's sort of like the long-term solution. I don't think it will stick to one formation for us going forward. I think depending on the opposition, you know, he will vary it. So it's not, you know, it's not the death of the 3-4-3, three, three, you know, but clearly over recent weeks, having not played four at the back, you know, he clearly now has different formations that we can play for at the back, you know, going forward in future as well. And this will be one of them. I think what... 4-1-4-1. Four one four one against Plymouth, for example. Yeah, I mean, what what it, what what it, I think what really intrigued me about it was number one, he it, it seemed that he finally realised that he can't play three four three with wing backs when the wing backs that he has at his disposal are not good enough. Something we've been saying for a few weeks. I think the other thing that was really interesting was, as I said earlier on, I think I think playing four one four one clearly made us more of an effective attacking unit and, and Lukaku, while still couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, was, you know, much more involved in the game. And I think that's important. I think the other thing is, I mean, I don't know if he's some sort of a mind reader, but he must have known that, that Spurs would, would come with absolutely no attacking intent whatsoever. Because the worry that he has, and the reason he likes playing 3-4-3, is that it gives both Jorginho and Silva the protection that they need. So to, to have known that they wouldn't need protecting because Spurs would be so shit, but maybe that's what it was. He just thought, you know what, Spurs are shit, so it's all right. I don't have to worry about that. Maybe that's what it was. But I think longer term, in a 4-1-4-1 up against a really good side that presses the shit out of you, because if you look at that 4-1-4-1 formation, the one in front of the defence is Jorginho on his own think about that you know do you think Chidge, that the 4141 is for lukaku though i i i look i don't know is the honest answer i wish i did i wish i could sit down i wish we could have thomas tuchel on the podcast next week and say and ask him i'd love to know and i think why haven't we well, why haven't we got Thomas Tuchel? Yeah, on why haven't we, Chid? Come on, I'm sorry, oh, dearie me. Okay, because the club well, hate me. A song. The club Entice hate him. me. The club, Entice club, him. you know, I, I'm too busy, but I'll try. Come on, he's get his people to talk to you. All right, people. all right, all right, all right. But anyway, look, the bottom line is, I'd love to ask him because uh, my my feeling is is that he's a very, 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 very good manager. Something we've been saying for a long time, you know. I don't I don't buy into this I don't want to play Lukaku because he's upset me or he's been disloyal. I think I, I mean I know we had a lovely email from Matthew I think last week saying that he doesn't he he doesn't think that Tuchel is pragmatic. I I think your point that you made was interesting and it was a bit more nuanced than me. I actually do think he's pragmatic and the reality is he knows that we have got a a world-class striker in our squad. So he needs to find a way to to get him playing like that because if he does get him playing like that it's good for all of us. 
So I think he, he probably did alter it a little bit to try and get the best out of Lukaku. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, um, that's what good practical or sorry, pragmatic managers will do. Um, but I do think, and he said it, he said it on record that three four three is is his preferred system. But I think, thankfully, he's realised that that's all very well and good if you've got wing backs who are good enough. And I don't think we have at the moment. Hope that answered your question, Mister Stick. J.K., we've got emails now. No. Yes. Oh, I'll have to prepare myself while I search for it's them. It's Nana. Nana Yaboa is our first email. Of Nana Yaboa, good old Nana. A C- couple of these, by the way, they're all from last week. So they're all about talking about either the City or the Brighton game. Don't let that oh. worry you. While JK's looking for that, Chidge. Uh, I've got Mr. it, actually. Yeah, but Mr. Got a really good comment in the chat as well, talking about the previous item, you know, uh, and you were saying about Jorginho being the one. And I know we've talked about this before and thoughts about this for next season. If we did go all in for Declan Rice. He would be the one. He would be the one. Yeah, he would be the in one. In more ways than one. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah, totally agree. JK? I am the one and only. Anyway, enough. You could sing that. Um, Nana Yaboa. Hello, everyone. I don't think many were surprised by that result on Saturday. It's simply City away better than us. Argu- arguably the best club in Europe. Getting anything from that game last Saturday would have been as a result of pure luck or an extraordinary effort, nothing like the one we showed on Saturday. While it's good to acknowledge City are better than us, but by no means ex- no means excuses the fact that we could have done more on the day. The only functional parts of our team were the midfield, the back line and Kepper. Our attack wasted any chance of creating anything positive against City. So it wasn't a surprise really to see Tuchel furious at them the whole game. Lukaku's a problem. He's a problem many of us saw coming. JK talked about this early on in the season. With him and the team, we can't be fluid as we used to be. You only have to look at our game against City in the Champions League final to see how functional we are when our front three can actually press City's back line and help cover spaces in midfield. It makes everyone's job easier than it is now. I'm sure you'll discuss this in some detail. Tuchel has done many things right at Chelsea, but what he's still yet to get right is developing a pattern or style for the way we attack. Currently, this team works well as a unit when everyone is at it. But when one or two players are not at their best or we get a couple of injuries like we do now, then we fall short. I'm interested in hearing your opinions. Thank you for all you do for the Chelsea community. Nana, Michigan, US. I I think we answered all of that pretty much last week, didn't we, on the show, if I recall? Uh, we did, I think, particularly mentioning the, the, the fluidity of the Champions mm. League final, but that's been something that we've we've been debating all the time that we've seen Lukaku, isn't it? That um um and the and the fact that with Havertz in the side, um we um we scored all those goals against Norwich and uh with the other sides we scored against um Spurs. But yeah, uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. I think it. Well, we'll talk about Tuchel and that in a minute, funnily enough, in the last part. Uh, right, this is from Alex Woodhams. Uh, greetings, fancast team. Greetings, Alex. Uh, is it just me, or does it seem like Werner lacks either tactical understanding or an ability to read the game and thus where the ball is likely to go next? It was fairly trivial in the grand scheme of the game, but when he was caught offside again uh, at the end of the City game yesterday, I completely lost my shit. It's so frustrating the, is that not, not poor poor so yeah. poor was yeah. it poor 
Which I said poo, actually, but anyway. So poo, okay, yeah, good. Anyway, this consistent ineptitude from Vern. Did you not? Did you write this in under a pseudonym, Jacob? <laughs> All right, the, the consistent ineptitude from Werner, coupled with those two disgraceful attempts at a cross produced by Hudson Odoi minutes later, sent me further over the edge than I previously thought possible. Appalling. I would like to hear the team's ideas on how to fix the attacking unit in our side. Well, that's simple, Alex. You play 4-1-4-1 and you don't play <laughs> Werner or Havertz, but there you go. Anyway, he says, he says he's got some suggestions, actually. Let's see what he has to say. For me, Adoy must go on loan and produce the goods somewhere else now. We can't baby him any longer. Two seasons of garbage is enough. Werner, sell at next available opportunity above £30 million. Pulisic, rest of the season to produce again. If he fails again in the season, that's it for me. Havertz, top quality. Performance away at Watford made me moist for the future. Lukaku, obviously persevere, but also a lot of love for him. Hmm. Love no, lost, sh- lost, lost, oh, sorry, lost, lost a lot of love for him. Sorry, Alex, I didn't mean to slander you there. Uh, love the show as always. Woody in Brazil. P.S. I'm not a Palmeiras expert, but if you're still looking for opposition view for the Club World Cup game, I have absorbed a bit of the Brazilian game in my time here. Well, Alex, that is a massively kind offer. And yes, we will be looking for an opposition view. And I very much doubt I'll find a Palmeiras fan. Uh, and I, I kind of, if, if we could see you as like a, a Chelsea fan cast version of Tim Vickery, that would be magnificent. And all you, all you need to do is be... I don't know what, what time is it in Brazil at eight o'clock in the or half seven in the evening on a Friday. Anybody know? Midnight, midnight thirty. Yeah, because that's what time we do it. Seven thirty in the. I can always do a pre-record with you, Alex. But anyway, we'll sort. I'll get my people to talk to your people, and we will sort it out. Isn't Davi Palmeiras dad? He might be. Yeah. Maybe. I thought they were all Santos, mate. I can't remember. Or or Corinthians, because Felipe. Oh, sorry, Felipe. It is Felipe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Felipe uh, is is Corinthians, I'm sure. What What if Palmeiras don't get through the other semi final? I don't even know who's in it. Who's in it? We've got We've got Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera. What the news network? Al Jazeera, by the way. Where are they from? Uh, they're from the United Arab Emirates, and Ooh. they're the the current winners of the UEA Pro League. You know, and I clearly did not watch the UEA Pro League last season. We know. So. We, we know people. Sorry, mate. Go on. Go on. Dan? Yeah. So they won more than Spurs. <laughs> uh, we, we've won more than Spurs. Yeah. Monterey from Mexico, who are the winner of the CONCACAF Champions League. Sorry, didn't watch that last season. Um, the Giants of Tahiti football, um, as as Pere. Uh, Al Ali from Egypt. El Halal from Saudi Arabia. And of course, then Palmeiras. So, yeah, if any Al Halal from Saudi Arabia people are listening, you know, we might need them for the opposition view in a, a few weeks' time. You know. Well, I reckon we might get somebody for the UAE because I know people out there. So yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll get to work on it. I've got two weeks to get to work on it. Um, other than that, Alex, uh, Werner, I, I don't know. I think that's a bit hasty, particularly on hudson Adoy. Remember, he is only a youngster, so he will get better. And I know I send him out on loan, but... I think, I mean, right now, I think he's he's a better option than the Werner and uh, and uh, Pulisic, to be honest. So there we go. But anyway, it's all about opinions, isn't it? But I, I will I will email you about this kind offer, and we'll see if we can get you on. Jay- the time in Brazil at this present moment in time is about ten to six. Oh well, it'd be it's early evening. Three hours behind London. Three hours behind London. Yeah. Well, there you go, Alex. It'll be kind of half seven. Will be about half four for you. So there you go. 
JK, last email of the week. And if you thought Alex was ranty, then you better see this one. Brothers, this is from Brandon Nelson. Brothers in rage. I'm watching the second half and I'm thoroughly incensed. Feckless. We cannot advance the ball. I'd sooner slap Zayek than celebrate the goal he didn't want. Dave may be our most positive direct threat. Fully expect CHO to sky any chance on goal and overhit the cross in the unlikely event he chooses to beat his man. Kante is carrying the ball into trouble. Incidentally, we didn't mention the fact that Kante, we all thought he'd be selected for the game yesterday, didn't we? And he didn't, he didn't, he was on the Sam's bench anyway. Kante is carrying the ball into trouble. Zayek reliably loses possession. Lukaku can't even take possession. Mount is anonymous. Jorginho, Jorginho dwelling. Oh, look, Dave just ran into the box and put in a tolerable, tolerable cross, which Alonso couldn't put on target. What is going on? What has Havertz done to deserve to continue watching this flaccidness from the bench? At least with Werner, we get chances. I'm at a loss. OK, full time. My question is, how do we go from praising Tuchel's every move to wondering aloud why the feck these players are on the pitch? He made the right subs, but with 10 minutes left, that was 80 minutes too late in some cases. Is Jorginho knackered too? Brighton and Hove Albion waltz through our midfield. Sashid trotted. Sashade, Sashade. Sashade, as in Sashade, as in dancing. Yes, of course. Sashade trotted. Really anything they wanted. Dave, man of the... I thought it was a, it was a Brighton player I'd missed. Sashid. Um, uh, Dave, man of the match. A defender who arguably doesn't get in the best 11 if we're totally healthy. Bought for a dozen cheeseburgers and a used couch. That's our best chance of creating a goal-scoring situation. Thanks for sharing my pain. Brandon from Kansas. P.S. Post-match, Tuchel says we're tired, which completely explains why you give these players 80 and 90 minutes. So, mystery solved. Yeah, I mean, it's really lovely to get these letters of, of uh, you know, staunch and unstinting support for Tuchel and the team. I, I really appreciate them. They're brilliant. No, I'm joking aside. I mean, actually, to be honest, Brandon, I, I mean, you wrote that during the match, and I, I mean, you should see me when I'm watching a match where we're playing shit. But I, I think we did discuss this in depth last week, and I, I think it's absolutely valid. These guys are knackered. They are out on their ass. They were out on their ass for the last 10 minutes of the match against Spurs, actually. Thankfully, Spurs are so shit, it didn't matter. But they really are out on their ass. And I think, actually, we discovered something else subsequently, didn't we, JK, which we alluded to last week, which uh, this week, which was that uh, the Man City, losing to Man City, really, you know, put them in a bit of a downer you know and they're human and it happens and I think this this idea about Tuchel making the the right substitutions but you know with only 10 minutes to go I do think has a lot to do with the tiredness I just think he was generally trying to rest players and didn't want to bring them on but you know it's 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 there are fine lines mate there are fine lines but anyway hey this week we beat Spurs so everything is right in the world isn't it eh right back and tell us about that Right, very, very quickly, uh, Prem predictions. Um, okay, well, there is one match to play, which is uh, Burnley against Watford, I think, which they're playing next Saturday because uh, because they need to catch up. But I can tell you, working from the bottom upwards, that JK, you had a minus 33 this week. What happened, man? You've been doing really well recently. I don't know. I thought I was really good. Yeah, it was, it's, it was quite a hard week, I think, actually, this week. I mean, for example... You know, if it hadn't been for that prick, Pawson, I'd have got spot, a spot on for the Liverpool Palace game. 
So I was denied by that bloody VAR, mate. That penalty yeah. which should never have been. I'm dismayed I was minus 33. I thought that I, it must have been just by the odd goal that I got it wrong. Mm. All mm. right. Well, JK's uh, not propping up the table. Uh, Brian Hailstone, or Hallstone, who's either forgot to do it this week or has for a while, has slipped down to 74th. Kyle, who was reminded to get involved, he got 60 points. So he's on He's on your tail, JK. Oh, God. Right. Okay. Uh, in terms of the fan casters, next up is Dean Mears, 48th. Then Mark Meehan on 39th. And then, goodness gracious me, Chidge in 38th position. You had a good week. I've had a good month and a half, mate. I was yeah. down near a JK not that long ago. And now I'm I'm only the one, two, three, four. I'm either the fifth best or the third worst of the fan casters, depending on your point of view. But either way, I'm doing all right for me. Got 116 points. Tony Glover slipped down to 32nd with minus 52. What were you thinking, Tony? Dane is doing very well. He's in the top 20. He's in 18th position. Uh, and then, our, I mean, you know, my, my admiration is it knows no bounds. Martin Wickham solidly sticking in in fifth. Marco. Marco is up to second. The guy is, you know, he's an absolute genius. He really is. He is in second place. But still, 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 still is Luke Withers in first place. He's been there all season, ever present. Luke, you're an absolute star, mate. Uh, other people to mention, of course, are, are ex-players. Canners is having an absolute Western super for the last couple of months. If, if I, I, I Sometimes I've found it hard to get hold of him, which means he gets Neil Buan. Occasionally I've had to do it for him and I've, I've actually got him points. Uh, or I got him this week and he only got 10. So was it minus 10? I think it's minus 10. Can't quite see my own writing, but there you go. So he's in sixty. He's in seventieth. Uh, Pat is in fifty third. Pat Nevin and Kerry is in thirty seventh position. So it's Kerry followed by Chidge, followed by Mark Meehan. Who knew? Uh, and a massive shout out to our top performer of the week, which is Supreeth Manava, who's a, a big poster in the Discord group. Supreeth got two hundred and eight points this week, which is very very good. He's in eighth. So well done to all of you Prem predictions people. It will be resuming. I would imagine after the uh, after the FA Cup round. So there you go. Right, very quick break. We'll be back then to have a quick look at a year a year of Thomas Tuchel. He celebrates his one year anniversary uh, this coming Wednesday. So we thought we should talk about that. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is Stamford Chidge and the Chelsea Fancast. And I've got Jonathan Kidd with me. Great to be on the show. Mr. Dan Silver. Great to be here. And Mr. Mark Meehan. Great to be here tonight. Good show. Really enjoying it. Always is. Always great fun to have you boys on 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 uh, on the show. Now, Tommy T, when asked about this in the interview uh, at the weekend, said, uh, "I'm paraphrasing." He says, "Yeah, nice year. It's been a year. It's a nice year. This is the right place to be. I've had enormous support from everyone, and hopefully there will be many more years to come." I couldn't agree more. Um, but uh, I think it's worth looking at what he's achieved. What are his achievements this year? I mean. I would list, I think there are many of them, and I would list them as, and the first thing he did, he made us solid. If you remember, we were leaking goals for fun. Uh, the absolutely phenomenal lack of goals that were conceded 
certainly in that Champions League run, was amazing. And then at the beginning of this system, he put in a new system almost immediately, which worked, the 3-4-3. The Champions League run was amazing. Not not many of us thought we'd beat Atletico Madrid when Frank was in charge, but not only did we beat them, but we beat Real Madrid. And of course, we we, uh, beat City in the final, none of which we were expected to win, but we did quite well. Obviously, winning our second Champions League was phenomenal. The fact that we beat City three times in his first kind of couple of months in charge, getting to the FA Cup final, a bit of a black mark for losing to Leicester, but VAR didn't help. Uh, we finished fourth, which is what you have to do. Then he won the Super Cup this season, which I love winning these kind of cups. And uh, at the beginning of this season, we were top of the league for nine weeks. But I, I would argue that the most important thing that he's done is perhaps the least expected, and that is that he had the good sense to carry on playing Reese and uh, Mason Mount, realising that they were really legitimately first team. But he brought in Trevo Chaloba, which told me that this man looks at what he's got available very honestly, and he thought, this kid's good enough, so I'm going to play him. And Trevo's been outstanding uh, until he got injured. But he's also gone beyond that. And I thought the fact that he's played, okay, maybe it was the peculiar circumstances of the injuries and the fatigue, but he's played Simons, he's played Harvey Vale, uh, Soonsop Bell. Uh, but I think Malang Sar playing as well is another good example that, that Tuchel will do this. So I, I am very delighted with the fact that he's still got one eye on bringing the youth through, which is very different in some sets as circumstances to a lot of the other elite managers that we've had who've just thought, now I'd rather spend another £50 million on on getting a, a proven player in. So there we go. This was on Sky last night which I thought was brilliant but since Thomas Tuchel's appointment on the 26th of January 2021 uh, of Premier League games played Man City have played 43 they are first with 105 points but second are Chelsea having played 43 with 85 points above Liverpool who are third uh, having played 41 with 83 so JK what would would you agree with that list of achievements would you add any more um I think the fact that he took hold of a side that was uh, um, uh, in a very low state um, uh, and we were all in despair uh, that our hero, our our possibly greatest player ever, had not been the success that we all wanted him to be um, and did that with such great grace, um, but then managed to use the same group of players um, by Im- improving initially the defence, making the shoring the defence up by introducing players, in fact, that Frank had dispensed with um, uh, and getting them to play out of their skin was or was, was just initially teased us with the possibilities of what the season could produce. And um, uh, it was a great journey of adventure for us to discover that this man was brilliantly fluent in all his ideas, all his honesty, his ability to communicate. He spoke English to a, a, a brilliant standard um, uh, and explained a lot of the time of what he was doing in a way that we haven't experienced from, from Chelsea managers who've always had different angles or inabilities to do so. Um, and so to me, it's been, uh, it's been a brilliant journey, um, other than I think the end of the season where we didn't, supposedly it was it was down to Leicester winning that allowed us to qualify for the Champions League um but we we had no idea that he would have this this 
brilliant gem at the end of the season of uh, um, of creating a side and a tactic and a, and a, um, a spirit that would win the Champions League, which for will be forever. Um, I mean, we don't know what 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 he'll end up doing. I mean, I I I hope that he will he will be like Guardiola and form a dis- dynasty with this with the team, which we haven't seen before for any manager under Abramovich. But he is clearly has all the potential for that and is such a class act um, that, uh, as I say, the ability to win the Champions League was the most, um, uh, I think, phenomenal um, experience for me as a supporter that I I, I had no idea that was going to happen. And even towards the final, I just thought, well, we're unlikely to win it because uh, City are are inexorable. But our performances in the Champions League were absolutely superb and superbly thought out, not playing um, particularly with a, with a, 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 a very efficient firing um, top unit, which he's still having problems with. But I still feel that this is work in progress. And I think that um, uh, we have the, the ability and we will have the ability to, to completely take football by, by storm. I think that, you know, the world is his oyster. I think he's a completely phenomenal man and manager. And, um, and I think the board have actually found somebody um, to stick with and, uh, and they will not embrace his every whim, but they will really be guided by him. Because remember, he inherited this side. He hasn't, there's, there are very few players there that he's actually um, um, chosen himself to play. And he's, he's, it's just, it's a testimony to his brilliance that he's made this, this inherited side into uh into a, a world force, you know. I'm, I'm, uh, um, I think that is that is the the legacy of his first year in charge for me. Brilliantly put, J.K. Dan. Yeah, I mean everything about him is so calm. You know, apart from when he got his man on the touchline, he's so <laughs> calm. He, he's brought into club culture so quickly. The, the, you know, the fact that he, you know, he came in and showed Frank so much respect was just a fa- fantastic bit of exercise for him. He handles the media brilliantly. He asks questions very well. He's very smart. Tactically, he's very, very shrewd. The club must have the fact that he's nothing but a PR dream. He doesn't ever bring kind of like toxic Mourinho vibes upon the club. They handled Lukaku superbly. I think we're lucky to have him. And just, you know, with 12 months, just no one would have thought in January we'd win the Champions League. He's, he's brilliant. He's bought into the fans. The fans love him again. And it's almost like he's kind of almost unifying all the fans out there at the moment because everyone seems to be, whatever side of the fence they're on, they all seem to be behind Tuchel right now. I just think he's, I mean, brilliant coach. I was, I was sceptical about him because obviously with his time at Dortmund and PSG, he was always quite combustible. But he's come here. He obviously feels very at home. Like he said, he feels at home. You know, you told us 12 months ago we'd be where we are. We'd have laughed, you know, especially after after losing Frank. But I think we're in a really, really strong position as a club moving forward, as long as we don't shoot ourselves in the foot. And, you know, giving him a modern-day Danny Drinkwater next summer, then we'll be all right. Mm, absolutely. Mark? He knows exactly what we need. Yeah. <coughs> Fair play to him. Uh, class act. Yeah. Um, very impressed with him over the last 12 months. Uh, as Dan said, very good coach tactically. Yeah, we talked about his formations tonight and other shows as well. He's very honest. He's very open. You know, there's no politics with him, shall we say. There's none of that sort of like, you know, 
you know, what other managers sometimes do, you know, especially when it comes, you know, to the press, you know, not always telling the truth, you know, what you see with him is what you get. Uh, I think he's been very fair to the playing squad. You know, JK made reference to it. He's given opportunities probably to players, probably we as fans probably never thought might wear a shirt again. So he's been fair. He's observed them at the training ground. He's given them an opportunity. Whether they succeed or fail is very much down to them. So Barkley's had a chance this year. He lost his cheek, has. He brought Alonso back. He brought Rudiger back. And Rudiger has been immense since he returned to the side. The reincarnation of Kepa that he's done. He's done a fine job with him. And as many times this season, not just in Belfast, you know, going up to Kepa at the end of each game, congratulating him. Uh, as JK said, giving the youngsters their opportunity as well. And I think he's a passionate guy. You know, you see that on, on the touchline and you care. Probably not since Conte, you know, really seeing that passion on the touchline. And then you contrast that yesterday, seeing like how down Conte seems now with the team he's now got to manage. So the grass isn't always greener on the other side, Antonio. I think you've covered a lot of his achievements. The Champions League is above and beyond. I think when Frank left, I don't think there was any Chelsea fan, even the most optimistic one like the likes of me, I think we'll win every game. I don't think anyone thought we'd win the Champions League. So that's remarkable in that short space of time. Uh, and I, I would not rule that out, us winning again this season in St. Petersburg. I think he is suited to the European game. You know, I didn't watch Bayern Munich and PSG like the FIFA generation, so I, I had no idea what we're getting. I think we're very fortunate to have him. And I'd say, really... Only we can screw this up now, Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, only we can make a mess of this. We've got a really good manager and we should keep him as long as we possibly can. And I still think there's every opportunity this season that there's still several more trophies that we might win before the end of May arrives. Well, let's hope so. Um, there, there are still things that he needs to do, I think. And with the wonderful presumption that he will be there for a while, I've, I've got a a little bit of a shopping list. It'd be interesting to hear to hear what you think is the most important thing, uh, uh, important of these. And I think Lukaku's clearly the next challenge in getting Chelsea to be as effective offensively as he has made us defensively is right up there. How he manages whatever the fallout is from the Rudiger, Christian and Aspie contracts. Uh, I think also keeping hold of the talented youth that we've got because we've seen a bit of a trend of youngsters deciding they're not they're not going to get a game time here, so buggering off like Liveramento and Gay. So keeping hold of some of the talent, well, the even more talented youngsters we've got coming through by all accounts, but also bringing players who are proving they can do it in the Premier League like Broger and Gallagher. That's going to need careful management. But I actually think something in the longer term, and that's kind of rebuilding the squad by getting rid of a lot of the dead weight that does exist there uh, and replacing some of the older guard. I mean, Jorginho and Kante, for example, are the you know, getting onto the wrong side of 30. They may only have a year or two left. So how will he manage that transition and who will he buy in to do that? And of course, winning trophies goes without saying Chelsea with Chelsea. But I think most importantly, winning the league soon because, you know, it's now been five years, isn't it? I think so. We need to get that back again, JK. Yes, at the moment, it isn't a, um, a team that wins wins the division. It's uh, It's a cup side for me. Um, as I think the season unraveling has proven, but uh, um, the, the, but but there have been huge mitigating circumstances with injuries and COVID. Um, so perhaps um, this is an unfair um, criticism 
um, of the side. But uh, I agree with you completely. I think he's um, he, he, he will. They'll play really well in Europe again against whoever they play against. I, I expect Lille to be dispatched with ease. Um, and uh, I think we may have the, the possibility of another cup run. I just think that there are all these opportunities uh, for the team because by then also we'll have had the injuries coming back and you never know, he may purchase somebody in the remaining days of the, um, uh, of the transfer window. I doubt it though, because as he said in the presses, he doesn't, doesn't want to bring anybody in who doesn't know the ropes, who, doesn't, uh, who would disrupt the spirit of the group He's obviously very keen on that that aspect of man management. Wants to keep the people he's got um, and not chop and change because he's making it work. Um, so uh, so yes, I think um, I think potentially the season is still uh, um, very much on the uh, on the boil. Mm. Dan, anything to add to my little shopping list? Uh, oh, good question. Um, don't think so. I think we've got so many players to come back. Chile back, Rich Jay's back. May, I mean, this desk might be a good option because he's the pair on both, both fullbacks, kind of both wings, so maybe he's a squad player. Um, no, I think leave it to Tommy. Leave yeah. it to Tommy. Yeah. Trust him. You know, he knows exactly what we need. Uh, Mark, I mean, I, I think that point about... I mean, there are a few, I think, going... I mean, on the presumption he's going to stay here for maybe a couple of years or so, hopefully more... There are a few issues that are going to need sorting out, getting rid of the dead weight, as I said, stopping a lot of the talented youngsters from going, like Liveramento, and bringing some of them back, like Gallagher and Brozier. You know, there's quite a lot of difficult management issues coming up for him, I think. So how do you think he'll cope with that? I think he'll cope really well. I think he's managed um, the job in the first year extremely well. Um, the Lukaku situation, a really good example of that. Um, he dealt with that yeah, extremely well. I think the, the the board backed him on that, you know, with Lukaku, where sometimes in the past the board have sided with the players against the manager. So his stock is even higher. His position is even more strengthened. Um, I think something's going to be important for him. It is very much other managers' team. So if he is here for a decent period of time, he probably wants to shape and build his own team, if possible, and bring in some of his own players. So he probably has an idea already. And yeah, Mourinho is already looking and we'll wait and see what the summer does bring. If me, I'd go for Declan Rice all day long. We've said it many times this year. Georgino, you're right, hasn't gone that long to go. The Kante twins, as good as they both are, you know, eventually we need to replace both of them and we need both of them. Yeah, they're, they're that important <laughs> to our midfield. So we're lucky. You know, we've got Gallagher hopefully coming back. I think he'll be one, but we may need to think of another. So that will be a challenge challenge for him. But I think you know he's up to it. He's demonstrated in the last twelve months what you know what an absolutely superb and first class manager he is. As I said earlier, only we can mess it up now. You know, I, th I think it's just down to Chelsea. You know, as history has shown, we've got our, you know our appetite for self destruction button that we push from time to time. We all seem to recover and we end up with a trophy on the back of it. But I just think we're quite lucky at the moment. We've got a really, really special coach here. And I'd love to see him here in three or four years' time. I know at Chelsea it doesn't really work out like that. But it would be nice in four years' time to still be here and talking about Tuchel, you know, and what he's built you know, here at Chelsea Football Club you know, for, you know, for many years to come. Well, hoping. Where does he rank for you at the moment as a Chelsea manager? 
that's good. It's a good question. Uh, I, I try not to compare managers because I don't yeah, think you can. Can you really? I don't, I don't think you can because it's, it's sometimes different. You know, different moments in mm. time, and you need a certain manager to do a certain thing. Sometimes you need managers, as you said, to clear out the dead wood, give people a kick up the arse, whatever. I think he's just for us. He's. I think he's arrived at the right the right time for us. Um, if we'd had him say six or seven years ago, yeah, would he have been? As we are now, I, I don't know. I think I think it'd be hard, harsh to compare with other managers, because uh, again, if you look at Jose, you know, for me, Jose has probably been many people's eyes the best manager we ever had in that first stint. But then, if you were making a comparison, if we'd had him long enough, I still think, you know, we only had him for a brief period, and I still think it's wrong that we sacked him in the tunnel after the Everton game. But Carlo Ancelotti, I think, if he had been here for a few years. I think we would have won the Champions League sooner than we did. Mm. Interesting point. Dan? Yeah, I was going to say, I think Tuchel's got potential to become our greatest ever manager of all time. He's got to win a lot to do that, though, hasn't he? Yeah, but it's doable. Definitely doable if he gets the time. Mm. Everything about him, just just mm. in terms of his mannerisms, his professionalism, his attitude, everything about him is just so much calmer. So just, just it's a nice, happy atmosphere, I think, around the ground. I don't think that... You know the people are trading ground. They're you know trying to avoid you know Moody, Mourinho, and people like that. So I think it's it all bodes well for the future. And listen, you know Klopp six years, Pep six years. Give him time. Look at those models. Those models are working really well for them. That's what we need to do. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think I think if we could do a, a Pep or a Klopp, it would be brilliant. J.K. I mean, how does he how does he compare favourably to Ted Drake for you? Funny, you should, I was going to mention Ted Drake actually. What about Billy Birrell? <laughs> yeah, and Billy. Yeah. What about yeah. David Calderhead? Yeah, even him as well. Yeah, further back. Yeah, there are there are Fatty Folk. You could compare him. I think he had an influence on the team as well, didn't he? Originally, old old old. Uh, Wasn't it uh, Eric somebody? Wasn't there? He played in our first team. Who became the manager? What was his name? Can't remember now. Anyway, go on. I come back. Um, Yes, I, I think it's, it's, it's different times and uh, um, uh, different budgets and different players and different attitudes and and all the players would have different uh, uh, expect to be treated in different ways. I think it's it's not easy to uh, to treat a bunch of um, huge earners earners in the way that um, all these players are nowadays. And when you were on the the um, was it the maximum wage going back into the forties and fifties, it was. Uh, and there was very little training went on. You just ran a bit and you hardly ever used the ball. I think you were just lucky that you ended up with a decent side. So management perhaps was of a very different um, um, you know, method at the time. But um, I mean, to me, I, I just think winning the Champions League in your first season is uh, with a side that has, has performed so badly is enough to make me think he's the best manager I've ever seen at Chelsea. Wow. That is praise indeed. Uh, almost, almost the best note to finish on, apart from one, because if there are people that probably remember that when Tuchel was appointed, I did say I am no longer allowing myself to fall in love with another Chelsea manager. Yes, there yes. is no point if they can sack Frank, then I'm not going to emotionally attach to any other one again ever. So you I gave go- him nine months. You I, gave him nine months. I, I know. So I'm going to ask you all, you first, JK, have you fallen in love with Tommy Tuchel? And he stirred your natural emotions. So I'll ask you again. <laughs> have you fallen in love with Tommy Tuchel? My heart beats simultaneously with his. There we go. Is that a yes? 
Of course. Of course. Dan, have you fallen in love with Tommy Tuchel? Yes. Yes, I'm just preparing myself for heartbreak. <laughs> and last of all, Mark, have you fallen in love with Tommy Tuchel? No, I'm like you, Chidge. You know, I think, you know, yeah. the trouble is with this football club, you know, the moment that does happen, you know, Dan just made reference to it. You know, they, they pull the rug under the manager's feet and then you start all over again, you know. Yeah, so you're not prepared to have your heart broken again? Is that what you're telling me? No, 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 I'm not talking about prepared to get my heart broken again. I, I just think it's Chelsea Football Club. You can't become too attached to a manager because you know how the story ends. So yeah. you just enjoy the ride while it's happening. And I think I'm enjoying the ride at the moment. Yeah, yeah that's very, very, very mature of you. I have to be honest and admit that I am falling. I am falling. What is it? Falling in love again. What am I to do? That one. Never wanted to. I can't help it. Exactly that. Who was that? Was it Marlena Dietrich? Marlena Dietrich. Marlena Dietrich. There we go. I'm feeling a bit Marlena about uh, Uncle Tommy Tuchel. That's for sure. He's uh, definitely making me fall in love with him. If he carries on as he has been, it's a no-brainer. Well, there you go. That's been a lot of fun tonight, as I knew it would be. Uh, You know, Talking about beating Spurs again, never gets tired of that. And uh, finishing up with Thomas Tuchel, how marvellous that is. Now, uh, obviously, people, there is no live show this Friday because we're about to go into an international break. Uh, But we do have a treat for you with another edition of My Chelsea with a guest who will be familiar to many of you through his Twitter and YouTube videos. I will say no more than that. You'll just have to wait until Friday when I when I publish it. Uh, will, he beat, will he beat my record of number of games mentioned in one city? Nobody will ever beat your record. It was mentioned, as I recall, during the recording, <laughs> but nobody will ever beat that, Mark. So there you go. You, that is a record that will uh, that will stand the test of time. All right, right, next Monday, what we're planning to do is to have another episode of our 50 Years of Chelsea series. Uh, And we will be looking back on the 1999-2000 season. What fun that will be. Uh, So there you go. Uh, The Chelsea Fancast and, of course, Dean's Went to Mo King's Meadow are available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify, as well as other more rubbishy podcast distributors. Uh, A quick shout out for Patreon to say, number one, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, lovely people. Uh, it really does help keep the old thing going. Uh, there's no pressure. I mean, you know, you can not bother doing anything at all. And I still love you all to pieces. But if you do want to donate and contribute to the show, uh, it is patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And of course, if you do, you will be entitled to a Kerry Dixon banner, a mini banner replica of the one that hangs in the Matthew Harding upper. And of course, you get to join our Discord group, which is a lot of fun. You'll find a lot of you. If you ever listen to uh, the show live in Mixler every week, you'll find a lot of people in there who are also in our Discord group. So they're good people to chat with. Uh, send your emails in or get us a message on Patreon, Instagram or tweet us even or Facebook us. Uh, get them in by the end of Sunday and you'll get them read out on the show. The email address is chelseafancast at gmail.com. And as I said, you can follow the show on all the social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. I'm at Stanford Chidge. Jonathan is Jonathan Kidd. Dan is Dan Silve 73 And Mark is Eddie Mac B-A-W-A. Give us all a follow. It would be lovely. Uh, Mark, always an absolute delight speaking to you, obviously, uh, getting your knowledge, insight and humour. Uh, absolute delight to be on the show you know, with Dan and JK and you this evening. Really enjoyable. You can never, you know, spend enough time talking about beating Spurs. It's always a great joy to do that. And long may it continue. Just a little bit of news from me. Um, obviously, people in Mixture and people listen to us on the catch up, as well as having three quarters of CFC UK people here tonight. 
You've also got three quarters of the Chelsea Supporters Trust. So keep your eyes and your ears out, folks. Um, Chelsea Supporters Trust, we put some comms out this week on the third version of the big Stamford Bridge sleepout. Mm. Um, really positive meeting with Chelsea yesterday. We're going to be doing it at Stamford Bridge. Now the restrictions have been lifted. Comms will be going out this week. So if people want to take part, want to come down and sleep at Stamford Bridge, uh, look out for it on the Chelsea Supporters website and Twitter page. And also, not only will we be doing it at Stamford Bridge, we'll be repeating what we did last year for those who can't make it down to Stamford Bridge this time around because there's no coronavirus. If people want to do it virtually anywhere in the world, they can do do so also. And if you all are very nice, we might get Chidge again to read you a few stories at bed. I was going to ask you that because I won't I won't be coming to Stamford Bridge, but uh, yeah. I, I, will I get to do more Chidge's stories around the campfire drinking whiskey again? We would love you to do that. I, we think it would be marvellous. Okay, Chidge- I would. Nori. What? Chijanori, exactly. Yeah. Or Chijasnori would probably be yeah. more more pertinent. But there we go. Yes, I'm looking forward to that because I think I finished that lovely bottle of uh, Ockentoshan. So I've got another one stashed away and a nice big cigar. And I'll get a fire going. And there we go. Lovely. Look forward to that. Mark, good to see you as always, mate. Thanks for coming along. Dan, no, always, yeah. always a delight to see you, my friend. And well done for doing the uh, five live Gone in 60 Seconds so <laughs> expertly. Uh, thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be on. It's good, good fun. And again, happy beating Spurs weekend. Yeah, lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Um, great fun tonight, JK. As, as Dan and Mark said, you cannot beat doing a show when we've beaten Spurs yet again, can you? No, it's wonderful. And they've both been uh, very eloquent and great about it. It's, um, it's great the show. Brilliant yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Well done, you. You've been a trooper as always. I'll see you next Monday. Uh, and uh, as for you lot uh, out there who are listening as the podcast, uh, and um, and who've listened to it on Mixler's night especially because uh, we love the fact that so many of you do that thank you all for listening see you next week until then keep it blue keep it carefree and keep it chels It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.